It's uncut. It's unfiltered. This is the show of shows. This is the biggest names in drag racing. No holds barred. Speaking his mind. I've never had a problem expressing my opinions, but what we're doing here is bigger than that. These are conversations that need to be had in an unfiltered way. Exploring hot topics. Drag racing is all I've ever done. It's all I care to do. And spreading the gospel of drag racing. I respect the history. I appreciate how far we've come, but I want more for this sport, and I'll fight for it. This is the great American motorsport, drag racing. The West Buck Show starts in three, two, one. Hey gang, Wes Buck here, Drag Illustrated Magazine, checking in. It is Wednesday, October 19th, 2022, if I remember correctly. Welcome to the show. Thank you guys so much for being here. As always, it is an absolute honor. It's a privilege. It's our personal delight to get to join you every Wednesday afternoon to talk a little bit of drag racing. So remember, help us spread the gospel of drag racing. Click like, click share, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook if you haven't already. Be a part of this. Help us get the message out there and uh, be a part of this conversation. Like, it's great. Today, we've got, uh, dare I say it, right? I mean, we've got a barn burner of a show lined up for you. I'm, I was writing my notes down. I'm like, holy shit, how do we pull this off? We got Todd Tuttero, recently crowned PDRA Pro Boost World Champion, going to join us here in about a half hour, a little under. Then we will be joined by the one and only two-time PDRA Extreme Pro Stock World Champion, Johnny Placino. NHRA fuel, excuse me, fuel tech, NHRA pro mod, uh, drag racing series championship crew chief, Jamie Miller, the red hot red hat mafia going to join us in a little bit. And then to close out the show, one of the stars of street outlaws, no prep Kings, the one, the only Jay Bodie jr. So we've got a serious lineup for you guys today, but it helps us so much when you guys join into the conversation. So dive into the comments. Let us know where you're watching from, what you did this past weekend, where you're going racing this coming weekend. Uh, in case you didn't know, we had a big weekend. We spent, I don't even know that I can safely say weekend. That seems like I'm massively underselling what the past seven, eight days looked like for the team here at Drag Illustrated. Man, we were out at the Texas Motorplex pretty much from Monday on for, of course, as you're likely well aware, the second annual Stampede of Speed that culminated with the NHRA, excuse me, Texas NHRA Fall Nationals at the legendary Texas Motorplex, an absolutely phenomenal event. I think that in many ways, and it's not that I'm trying to take away from anybody else that's doing big things in the sport of drag racing, but a seven-week, a seven-day long, a full week-long festival of all things drag racing, very difficult not to get excited about. Extremely difficult to execute. Um, but, man, tipping my cap uh, to all of our cap here, uh, kind of collectively at Team Drag Illustrated, to the whole staff. I, I think of Barry and Christy Meyer-Johnson, uh, Billy Meyer himself, Elon Warner, Cheeseburger, DeMarcus, the whole team out there at the Texas Motorplex. I'm obviously leaving a ton of people out, but it was a real privilege for us to get to see this whole thing unfold. It's to have seen it kind of from start. I mean, it's obviously been a relatively short amount of time, but over the course of the last couple of years, I think that they have really planted their flag down here outside of Dallas with the Texas Stampede of Speed as kind of a must-see, must-attend event. We were out there, like I said, from Monday through Sunday, and every day had its own unique spin, its own unique flavor, and it was just, to be honest... A freaking blast. If you were here last Wednesday, you saw us broadcasting live from the Tower Suites. Just a, a fun experience. I got to go drag racing Monday night. Uh, Tuesday was Tuesday. 
what did they have? Oh, Tuesday had a pro mod shootout. Stevie Jackson took the win behind the wheel of Jim Whiteley, 63 Corvette, that beautiful blue Tommy Mooney built split window Corvette. Then Wednesday, the champions dinner. Uh, I was joined by my, my cohorts here on the West Buck show, Mike Carpenter, JT Hudson. We were both down there. What an incredible event. I think we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that here in the next couple of minutes because I think that that people sleep on events like that. I think our whole industry a lot of times looks at banquets, award dinners, and all those things and kind of turn their nose, turn, turn their nose up collectively at those things. But man, when they're done right, when they're done well, they can really be a difference maker. Thursday, they had the Fan Fest, which I believe to be the largest turnout of pro drivers. I know... The last I heard, the number was over 50 drivers that showed up and took part in the NHRA Fan Fest in downtown Waxahachie, Texas. Really, really cool event. And of course, Friday, two sessions of qualifying, one of them being under the lights with crazy money up for grabs, courtesy of Billy Meyer and the gang at Texas Motorplex. Saturday, continuation of qualifying, a couple more sessions, and then Sunday, the, uh, the final eliminations for the Texas Fall Nationals. Incredible weekend for the sport of drag racing, but that wasn't what all that was going on. We also had the PDRA World Finals taking place out at Virginia Motorsports Park. It's, it's that time of year, right, where there's so much stuff going on. It's hard, to, it's hard to consume it all, but hey, I guess that's what we're here for. So before we get any further along, let me go ahead and uh, welcome the rest of the crew to the party. Guys, give it up for, for my, my partners in crime here the one and only Mike Carpenter, and of course, JT Hudson. Uh, did you guys have fun down in Texas? Hell yeah. We did. Man. Yeah. We, did. Man. we really did. It, that, that deal Wednesday night, like you said, that was something where the whole industry sleeps on these banquets. And, and uh, this is, what's this going to be? Just another one of these events, but it was unique. Uh, they went all out on the preparation for it, the graphics, the signage, um, and even had the driver speaking during the meal, the meal was excellent. So, Which, and then we and, had, that, and that, that helped move it along as well. Like, yeah, you know, the, it was something to listen to while you're, of course, you're sitting there, but you know, just having someone up on stage, you know, while you're eating and uh, killing that dead time as well. Joe Costello it, killed it, it, it like yeah, as did, an MC awesome. for the event. Yep. Uh, he did a fantastic job. And from what I understand, and you guys likely know more about this than I do, I was having a couple of conversations about this particular event over the course of the last few days. And there seemed to have been an ongoing reference to the the, golf, the PGA Masters Dinner, which is right. this massive tradition that exists in the golf world. And the, the gang at the Motorplex is, is kind of trying to create their own tradition. And I love these things. It's no secret uh, around the Buck household that traditions are a big deal. We got Taco Tuesday. We got Wing Wednesday. I mean, we, I'm, I'm loving any time that I can kind of do the same thing, rinse and repeat. I love that. Get everybody together. And I felt like for a first year event, that was some significant buy-in, right? Like a lot of times year one, year two, you're trying to convince people, you're trying to get people on board, you're trying to explain the vision. But it felt like maybe because of that PGA example that everybody kind of got it because everybody showed up wearing their Sunday best, right? We, we had, uh, there was except a good us. vibe and a good energy, <laughs> except we us. Were, we were underprepared yeah. for that part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wore a suit jacket. Brett and I wore suit jackets, you know, we had like what? Two and a half minutes. We had two and a half minutes to change yeah. after we wrapped up the show, got <sighs> back to the hotel and then jetted back to the event. And yeah, I was and like, it was, it was a great event deal. And I was just and like was, thinking, I was thinking banquet, wasn't it, Mike? I was yeah. like, yeah, he was. I was like, oh man, we got to go to a banquet. He was looking for alternate options and i was like man i, I think it's gonna actually be pretty cool the place was packed uh they yeah, had an artist literally. drawing 
uh, the the photo from last year of the champions all with their hats and everything backwards hat if you're if you're Justin Ashley. <laughs> I got a picture with him with my hat backwards. I loved it, man. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't even have known it if he wouldn't have mentioned it. And then finish it up with cigar rolling and bourbon bourbon tasting, which my That's bourbon my tasting is basically you just grab it and shoot it. <laughs> that, that is, That's like, a solid like, bourbon taste. Like, yeah, like, way to do it. Like. No, you got to put it in your mouth and let let. Uh, nah, no, nah, man, I'm just no, nah, nah. I'm just gonna shoot it. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. It was pretty good though. And the band, I thought the, the whole band, deal, the band dude, was really good. George yeah, Strait tribute good. band. You can't. I yeah. mean, that the pressure's on. If you're up there trying to emulate George Strait, I mean, you've got some serious weight on your shoulders. But I thought they did a fantastic job. It was cool. We partnered with the Motorplex to to pull off the band, the cigar rolling, and the and they the should, they the, should call their the bourbon tasting. Dusty. Oh, <laughs> you know, I, that, wouldn't that be a good? Mike probably band? has no idea what we're talking. Uh, yeah, about. you're right really? over the head. We're talking about country music in general. You know, country music makes me sad. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> when he told my wife. Alicia goes, Mike, why don't you like country music? And he's like, makes me sad. And it's like, well, <laughs> they're all sad. They're all you know songs what? about. It, it losing, is. There's very few wife, of them your, that are your happy. Wife, your best crops are dead. Your wife's leaving you. You know what I mean? It's all lost your job. Uh, it's all bad. You're right. You know, your wife's sleeping around. It's all bad. About, funny thing about that little white spot in the middle of chicken shit. That little white spot's chicken shit too. That's <laughs> off the same movie. <laughs> He's like, you you, you're dropping references and everybody's like, um, I mean, yeah, I've watched that movie like 15 you know, times then. and you lost me right there. <laughs> Jeez Louise T. Anyways, what was your guys uh, looking at the race? I mean, we're going to have a lot of time today to talk with, as I mentioned, Todd Tuttero, King Tut, Got the job done again. There are some rumblings that this may be the end uh, of Todd Tuttero's driving career, and you know, I may, I may get myself in trouble, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask him. You know, that that is the word on the street that we may have seen the the last of Todd Tuttero regularly competing. You know, chasing points in various series. This may be the end of that. Um, but uh, the NHRA race. Let's talk about that. I think that for me. There's multiple takeaways. Cool to see uh, Justin Ashley double up, right? Go back to back. It speaks to the fact that once you kind of learn the nuances of an event, once you learn the nuances of a track and you've won there before, I definitely think it makes it – none of this stuff is too. easier. Yeah, Your I mean, but I think that when you know that it's there and you've done it before, it, it definitely makes a difference. I found well, it interesting. That, I think oh, Hector Jr., uh, went to the finals last year at Texas and he's not even racing the full schedule. Texas is one of them. And then he wins it this year. Exactly. You know, and to see, you know, the, the winners repeat, I felt that was a storyline. Uh, and it was interesting that many of all, but what all, but one of the fall nationals winners last year went on to win championships. The yeah, only that one that did not, you know, being, uh, Justin Ashley. So I think that's kind of interesting. I was explaining that to some of the guests we had up in our suite on, on Saturday or Sunday afternoon that this is a pivotal event. What happens here really for whatever reason, obviously the points implications and mere math, their, their significance, but it does seem like this is one of those events that can either make you or break you. It either gives you that extra momentum you need to make a run at the championship at these last two races, or it is a spirit breaker that you struggle to recover from. And I think that we saw both of those scenarios play out. I got to start, and I know that I come off as a, as a fanboy, 
But holy moly, what a weekend for Erica Enders and that elite motorsports crew. She's gotten a tremendous amount of press this year. And I think people think lean into the to this being some sort of favoritism thing. She is crushing people. That I think yeah. this past weekend, in all fairness, may have been the most dominant performance that I've seen in pro style. Low ET of every round not of just eliminations a low et of every single round of qualifying low et of every single round of eliminations wins the race qualifies number one rides out the front gate on a, a long horn with a cowboy hat and a 166 <laughs> point lead in the championship standings where she can lock she can clinch the championship in las vegas i mean I don't have we ever. I mean, I know that Greg Anderson had a run there in pro stock. He won 13 or 15 races. I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but I don't think we've seen dominance like this, this since then. Yeah, I agree. And JT was supposed to ride back with Erica, I, I was. Uh, yeah. as the replacement because her sister could not be there. And <laughs> JT left early. I can't believe that. Well, JT. it looked like it looked like going to rain. And then yeah. our hotel was booked up. And so it was just like, well, I'll go ahead and head back. Yeah. Uh, so you missed. I mean, we've been there. We've been there since Tuesday. Again, you're, yeah. you're, that was your Monday, one yeah. opportunity. But yeah, Erica, if you're looking at the points right now, after uh, Ennis, Erica's 165 ahead of er her teammate Aaron Stanfield, 195 ahead of Greg Anderson. But if you look at the other pro classes, Robert Height has a 10 point lead on Ron Caps. Uh, Matt Hagen is only 78 behind Height. Look at Top Fuel, Justin Ashley. In the lead, 82 points back is Brittany Forson, only 84 points back. Antron Brown, 96 points back is Steve Torrance. So these and other classes, these other classes are still up for grabs. And, and that's what and, they're and, wanting. You yeah. know, I mean, you know, that's why they do it. Right? But that's what happened in Dallas, though. Ron wins, catches up. Uh, Justin Ashley takes the takes the win, uh, take vaults himself into the lead. Pro Stock Motorcycle, uh, we kind of had a spoiler win there, but Matt Smith is still in the lead. Uh, Joy Gladstone, 51 points back. So it's, you know, it's getting close to a, a two horse race with those guys, but um, still, still a lot that are still in there. But if you look at pro stock, that 165 point lead is going to be tough to overcome. I Man. want to say something about Matt Smith real quick. Like, is there anybody <laughs> that does more for their class than that guy? I mean, as soon as they, they roll up there, he's up there on the starting line. He's working the water box. He works He's the water box hard. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, hard. And then, you know, spraying water, brooming. Every drag uh, strip is hoping like and praying helping, like, that they come every, up with a Matt Smith. Right? And he's helping, like, everybody that's, that comes up there. He's, he, it, I mean, I think he just helps everybody. <laughs> I mean, he's running around. I mean, he's got to be worn out by the time he gets back on his bike. <laughs> oh, dude, they're on Saturday I mean, when it was That's how he stays so thin. That's why he's so thin, man. That's how he, how, that's how he stays in shape. But yeah, it's it's fun to watch that because it's just the attention to detail. I mean, he's he's got a special technique with how he's brooming the water. A certain amount has to go up there. A certain distance. The way they he, spray the hose, they turn we, the yeah, they yeah, turn the the yeah. water gun thing sideways. Could be, we don't know if it's Fiji Aquafina in there. It could be a specific <laughs> yeah. molecular. Maybe Topo Chico. H2O. Yeah, <laughs> it's some high quality H two O. But you you man, you make a good point, and I think Matt Smith is. He contributes to the success of a lot of people, you know, and it's, you know, he's had a lot of success himself. But I think the coolest thing that I've seen out of the Smith camp this year is really Angie's coming of age. You know, she's been around this for a long time, but she's having 
it feels in many ways like her real breakout season. She's in legit championship contention. She's been fast, consistent. She's a, a difference maker on the starting line. So that's been a really cool thing to see and see him be so passionate about the fact whenever we listen to Joe Costello interview him Wednesday night during the Champions Banquet or the, excuse me, Champions Dinner there at the Motorplex, he said, he goes, the way I see it, I either get a sixth ring or my wife gets her first. And that, and it was cool because you could tell that he genuinely meant we see this as a win either way. And I think that's going to be, I really do think that that's, that could well be the case and what a story it would be for the sport of drag racing. Um, kind of going back to the Erica Enders deal, I, I don't know that there's anything that's going to derail that, that freight train right now. She's got a history of success in Las Vegas, a history of success in Pomona. Yep. If I'm any of these other guys, I, I mean, listen, I'm a big fan of all of them. Pro Stock's a category that's near and dear to my heart, but I can't help but say, I'm going to do my best Pat, Pat McAfee right here and just be honest. I'd be, getting, I'd be getting my shit in order for next year. You know what I mean? I'd be starting to have some conversations about what next season's going to look like, right? Because I just don't know that there's anything that's going to slow that red Camaro down. I just really don't. Just that mojo, everything falling in their favor. How about the deal with Dallas Glenn not qualifying? And we didn't really put it together. It wasn't publicized until, I guess, probably Sunday that he was doing that to try to put himself in position to race Erica first round because it's getting to that point where that's the kind of thing that's got to happen to, to take her out as early as possible so they can make up uh, rounds of points, whether it's Dallas or the rest of the KB team. Were you surprised that there wasn't more like outcry or vocal negativity about that? It, there on was a lot when Greg did it a, a year, a couple years ago, whenever that was, but then, yeah, it's, it kind of flew under the radar this time. I found it interesting because to be honest, I'm here for it, right? I mean, what, do, what are you supposed do. to do? You know, I mean, are you just going to lay teammates. down and take They're the elder teammates? teammates yeah. You know, and this is a contract. And I would actually like to talk to some of our guests about this today because it's cool to get the racing perspective of somebody that's been in a situation like that. And I know it's, I think from the couch or from behind the keyboard, it's easy to say that you're going to run every race heads up and every race all out. But I think we're kind of shortchanging the strategy that exists in our sport and the strategy that exists when you have a teammate. I mean, it's easy to say that stuff if you're completely unaffiliated. I think it's easy to say that stuff if you're a one car operation. But hey, man, what's the point of having that other car under the awning? What's the point of having that other crew out there? What about you like can't a father, put them to use when you need? What about it? a father son or you know you just mentioned Matt and Angie? You know, husband wife. I mean, I mean. <laughs> you know? yeah. and wasn't Greg a, a couple yeah. of years ago when he did that wasn't he trying to block for Jason line or am Correct. I confused it was, so, yeah. so it wasn't yeah. even Greg doing it for himself but man what a bunch of outcry and I think that is because Greg is, is much more polarizing at this point in his career love him or hate him I mean I, I think he's got he's much more visible but, I think but, Dallas Glenn being the 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 young face likable guy everyone's pretty much a, on Dallas Glenn's side of the fence but, you know, Greg, just like Erica, just like all these people, you get to the top of the mountain and you've got a lot of people trying to drag you back down. So I think that's why we heard it. More. Do you Greg, think it's Greg's kind of really interesting? 
Great, I mean, really fun to sit and talk to you as well. Like, yeah, we had a great conversation. Now you're just great flexing that you're conversationing yeah. with with Greg. That's what you're. Yep, doing. gave him the Coors Light. <laughs> you did. You did. Do you he remember everybody cool losing their mind last year in Vegas when it kind of looked like TJ Coughlin laid down for Erica? Right. right? I mean, uh -huh. it was like everybody losing their mind. Here we are, just under a year later, and Dallas Glenn does the same thing. Not the exact same thing, but does a similar playing poker playing chess type of situation and it doesn't seem like anybody's too bent out of shape about it. I find that very interesting. I thought Dallas, you know, kudos to that young man. He's really established himself as a real contender in NHRA pro stock, which we could have a conversation about this with Todd Tuttero here in a few minutes because he has been down that NHRA pro stock road and he knows the grind, the battle it is to be competitive in those shark infested waters. But to see some of these young guys and gals be so successful in pro stock so quickly. I mean, it doesn't happen very often. And what Dallas Glenn has done, double O Dallas Glenn, I think it's extremely impressive. And the way he handled this whole deal and owned it, hey, we tried to have you know a little bit of strategy this weekend. We tried to, to get ourselves in a situation where we could take Erica out in round one. I thought the whole situation was great. And it's something fun to talk about at the bare minimum. So, guys, um, before we bring on our first guest, uh, a literal living legend and icon in door slammer drag racing, I do want to remind you guys that each and every episode of the West Buck Show is brought to you by way of our friends at Stroud Safety. If you're in the market for 100% American-made safety products from seatbelts and sh uh, parachutes to window nets, seat belts, ballistic diapers, and everything else, log on to stroudsafety.com. Make sure you tell them that your friends at Drag Illustrated and the West Buck Show sent you. Guys, let's, uh, let's get right after this deal and bring on the man of the hour, fresh off winning the PDRA World Championship with a first-round win at Virginia Motorsports Park, the one, the only, King Tut, Todd Tuttero. What's up, Todd? What's up, Todd? What's up, Todd? Good, man. How about y'all? Man, we're uh, if we were uh, if we were any better, we'd be you, buddy. I think that's uh, I think that's the case. I'm curious, as someone who's been around the block and participated in multiple teams, I'm curious, Todd. What do you make of a situation like we had at the Motorplex this past weekend, where Dallas Glenn and NHRA Pro Stock specifically tried to lay back and qualify 16th so he could potentially race Erica in round one? Are you in favor of that kind of team? stuff or what what's your thoughts on that i mean that's i mean you got multi-car teams and stuff and and that is an advantage um it's hard running with your teammates i mean you, you always try to you think you can qualify in that position i don't know how many cars was that, at that race but if it was 17 18 cars he could have been on the outside too he so, did he was so it's just one of them deals i mean it, it's advantage if you use it but you know some people look down on it, but it is team, team plan. So, and I mean, and you've been a part of a multitude of teams, right? I mean, and it is, I, people get up in arms about this stuff, but I do find it kind of interesting. It's like, I can't be mad at them. You know, you're uh, trying to, it's, it's fierce competition. You've got sponsors, you've got owner operators, you've got all these people you've got to answer to. So you've got to do everything in your power to put yourself in a position to win. Have you ever found yourself in one of those tough spots when you're staring down the barrel of a win or a championship, but you got a team owner or a partner or something that you, you, you got to kind of contend with that as well. Yeah. I've, I've been in that situation and you, you, 
deep down you want help you don't want help i mean it's it's a tough deal i mean it's just uh and and it's you know it's not it's not fair it is fair and it ain't fair i mean it's, it's just it's just part of it i mean i don't know it's just kind of a like i said i've been in a lot of teams and stuff and i try to not do that we try to run the the fastest car is going to be up front and and that's just the way it is i mean every race one car is going to be a little better than another cuz they're not not identical and it's just and it's once in a while you get in that situation you know as far as laying down for somebody, I don't, I don't really agree with that. But if he could qualify 16th and, you know, catch Erica, maybe that's a, a plus, right? I mean, I, th- I, I can certainly make an argument for it. I agree that I do think that there's – you get into perhaps uncharted territory when you start laying down. I mean, if you're out there pushing the clutch in or if you're out there leaving before the tree activates on purpose, if you're – those type of things I think can get you in like a, a – will create public outcry. But I think that type of strategic effort, really, really impressive, you know, honestly. And I, I don't think uh, we can fault that KB camp for trying to do what they can to, to secure a world wow. championship. Uh, speaking of world championships, Todd, what a weekend. Obviously, I don't think anybody is thrilled with the way things uh, unfolded. You, you fighting against Mother Nature seems to be the, 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 the trend for those poor folks at the PDRA. It breaks my heart for Tyler and Tommy and Judy and that whole group that it's just, man, it's been such a battle for them. It seems like this has been an event that has so much potential. The PDRA World Finals out at Virginia Motorsports Park, middle October, but man, it seems like it almost always turns into a catastrophe, but you were able to secure the PDRA Pro Boost World Championship. What do you make of the, the I think this is the, arguably the most competitive we've ever seen that category of drag racing. Um, back-to-back PDRA Pro Boost wins for you to start the season. You run her up at the summer VMP race and at Maple Grove. You also uh, tuned multiple cars to victories this year, Todd. You had, uh, what, the Deckers doing very well up in uh, Northeast Outlaw Pro Mod Association competition. You had Randy Merrick in NMCA. You uh, won the first ever PDRA Pro Boost World Championship back in 2014. I mean, what do you make of this particular uh, point in time in this season that you've had, Todd? Yeah, it's been it's been exciting. I mean, like you said, once we started out two races in a row, uh, running up front and, you know, winning the first two races. So that put us ahead and then just stayed there. We had a couple bad runs here and there, red light once, run, I think, and, and had a couple slow lights. But uh, and I'm getting older, so that's going to happen every now and then. But uh, Randy Merritt, I mean, he went and won the last four NMCA races. Deckers, they dominated up there in the Northeast deal, and I'm, I'm very proud of them guys. I mean, yeah, I'm tuning them and, and helping them along, but they're uh, still buying the right parts and got, you know, it takes a lot of money to do this. And then, supplying that and, uh, and the, with the knowledge and stuff they got and, and, and capable of driving a car. I mean, that's a big thing. A lot of people, you can sometimes go help that's not capable of winning, but both them guys are, and they, they do excellent. It's been fun to watch. And we've talked about this for, I believe the last couple of years, as we've seen this, it felt like it feels like we're seeing the I don't know, a new version of Todd Tuttero. Like for as long as I've known you, which goes way back, which is kind of hard, kind of hard to believe, like the early mid to two, mid 2000s, 
it was, you know, Todd Tuttero, you were constantly looking for a big money race or looking for an opportunity to go run somewhere, whether it was Big Dog or ADRL or PDRA, what, what NHRA, wherever you could go and throw your hat into the ring as a competitor. But in the last couple of years, we've seen you seemingly turn the corner and it becomes more about uh, YO Motorsports. It becomes more about tie drive and you're, you're working with all the Tommy Gray and the Deckers right. and Randy yeah. Merrick and all these folks you help, obviously, uh, Kurt Stedding and that team. Uh, are you, I mean, am I right? Are we seeing kind of the next chapter of the Todd Tuttero book? There was some rumblings over the course of the last few days that, you know, I don't want to throw the word retire out there, but that you're perhaps considering retiring from like full-time chasing points uh, competition. Is that, is that uh, the case? It is. I mean, it's, you know, it's got something about money and, um, and not really totally retiring like you're saying, but I am going to back up and not really chase the points concentrate more on our customers and stuff and um try to give you know give them good cars and go race with i mean i've, I've done pretty good and and uh been very fortunate uh, like i said i'm just going to try to back off a little bit and and i've always wanted to uh, not race against my customers too so i, th I think that would be easier for me uh, just to back up a little bit i'm gonna get kurt 100 percent i mean we got two cars there and you think well we're gonna give you know 50 percent to one 50 percent it never works that way it always one car needs a little more this time or that or the next time or whatever then there's luck involved or uh like i should have lost first round my car's missing skipping missing going down the racetrack and i thought it was over with right um another guy's car cut off i never lifted i just held it down skipping <laughs> missing hoping I was going to get there. And sure enough, just at last minute, just kind of drove around him. And that was just pure luck. I mean, it's just, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. That's the way I look at it. So, How big of a challenge is it? Yeah. I remember having this conversation with Jimmy Rector. Um, Jimmy's a good friend of mine and he was leading the charge for Danny Rowe in the NHRA world. And he talked about the challenge that exists. I mean, at that time it was even perhaps even greater when you're dealing with clutches and whatnot. Right. But oh, yeah. Two different cars from two different chassis builders. That is a very difficult. Now, granted, you've got like equipment. You know, typically you may have a, a new body style and an old body style or whatever. But you're you're a you got a Jerry Bickle cars. Um, I am curious how big of a challenge is that? How much does it change things? Because I think everybody points at having two cars as this huge advantage. Right. But now you've got two problems to solve. You've got your attention divided. Uh, I mean, it's, I mean, from the outside looking in, you're going, holy shit, Kurt setting is likely, you know, he's going to be contending for a championship. If Todd doesn't have anything else to worry about at a PDRA race. It will. I mean, it'll help him. I mean, it helps anything. Cause you can't give, you can't give 50, 50, 50. If you just got two cars, it's always 30, 30 really. Cause you, you, you're divided attention. If something goes wrong. Then you, you just, you know, you draw it off, off the situation. But, uh, I think, I mean, I look forward to next year, really. I mean, it's a load off my shoulders. I mean, I'm a tuner. I tune two cars. Then I can still got to drive. And that takes away <laughs> that takes away from that, that deal, right? You know what I'm saying? And I'm the world's worst. And Shake Calla told me years ago, when you sit behind and see that car, you're not a tuner no more. And I struggle with that because I'm always wanting to do something else, right? And he just said, you just need to drive now. And, and, I, and, I, and I fight that part of it. Even though if Kurt's in front of me or Kurt's behind me or whatever, I'm thinking about what he needs to do or, you know, what is it, what's going on? Or what did I, what did I forget? And it's just, it's tough. So 
I'm going to be able to concentrate. And, and the same way with, you know, when I go to Randy, when I'm one-on-one with him, Deckers, when I go with them, they got two cars, but still I'm not driving. So that does help out too. No, I can't imagine like trying to balance those two things, worrying about that car back there. I mean, that's one of the things we talk about with our, our mutual pal, Ricky Smith. Yeah. The way he bounces around, I mean, I get freaked out sometimes because I'll see him up there on the starting line and there's a, a red Mustang like under the tower, you know, and he's up there checking the track and spraying water in the water box. And then he's going to go back there and jump in his own car. I mean, I can't believe he can even get the belts on that quick. Um, do you is it exciting for you? I mean, do you feel the same? Uh, validation or reward from tuning cars and having success. I mean, I see that smile on your face in the winner's circle with Randy Merrick or in the, in the winner's circle with the Deckers. I mean, do you get the same level of gratification? More probably. I mean, yeah. seemed like it's just a, you know, it's real more of adrenaline. I've won a lot. I've lost a lot, but it's, it's more gratification and seeing the expression on people's faces when they win and see how excited it is. I mean, it's really, um, it just, I don't know how to say it. It's just really exhilarating to me. I mean, when you're there in the winter circle with somebody else that you helped, it's really special. Yeah, I mean, you're paving the way you're helping them, right? I mean, I think right. that, that we all get a, a kick out of that to some extent where it's like, man, this, it felt good. You know, it felt yeah. good to help right. these guys feel what you've been feeling for three right. decades, right. you know, in various. Uh, when you look back, uh, let's do some BS in here. Uh, when you look back, I mean, and if this is uh, officially kind of toward the end of seeing Todd at every NHRA race or every PDRA race or whatever the case may be, what do you look back on? Is there anything? I mean, obviously, this PDRA Pro Boost Championship, we talked about how competitive this season's been. There's a slew of different combinations. There's a bunch of fast cars. But looking all the way back to your big dog glory days and all the Don, eight, uh, Don Clemens quick eight stuff, I mean, do you have anything that like sticks out to you as the things that maybe were, let's start with proudest moments. What what are you most proud of when you look back at all this stuff? Uh, just being able to do what I'm doing and doing it for a living. I mean, that makes it proud. I mean, I've got my son involved with it now. i got Brad and, and uh, Christian Blackburn here. Uh, proud of all that and being able to do what we're doing. Uh, only thing I regret in my career is not winning an NHRA championship. That's kind of been a a stickler not really i mean i've run a couple seasons but not really full on for a couple seasons to do really well with it but other than that dude i've raced a lot of races and been very successful and 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 run some you know places we shouldn't be running right <laughs> and uh but it's been fun i mean I, i've enjoyed it and I'm, like i said i'm not totally out of it but we'll see see what brings comes up tell us i remember let's go back to like the glory days of the big dog deal oh, wow. um Th those that was for me, that was I tell people this a lot, but those those races, I would buy VHS tapes online and watch those races uh, sitting cross legged in the, the, the uh, living room of my parents house. Uh, watch those videos that Scott Caudill put out, yeah. right? He'd had yeah. these VHS tapes. And I remember watching you uh, with that, that cutlass that had the Lexan hood scoop. Yeah. I think it had a small block nitrous deal in it, maybe. Um, yeah watching that car and then watching you move uh, onto the, the Willis and everything else. And then your Mustang with the small block and the screw blower. Was that a special moment, moment in time? Like that, oh, that oh, big dog oh, deal? De definitely. I mean, it was a Thursday night deal. We went out there once a month. They paid big money, really. I mean, it pays almost as much as it does now. So, right. <laughs> but the fan base they had 
and the spectators, I mean, the spectators and everything come in there. It was just, it was exhilarating. Like, and I never knew from one week to the next what they was going to change. And it was, that made it exciting. And then, and then they were putting bounties on me or put bounty on somebody <laughs> else. And it was, I mean, we were fighting. It was, it was ex- a kind of a tra- round track race, I guess you would say, but it, yeah, it was- I think it was the closest we get to circle track racing. Yeah. It felt like, I mean, <laughs> even watching from afar, it was like, oh man, I'm, I'm ducking, looking for a tire iron. I remember when they made the, uh, oh, and this was before turbo 400. This was pre, you know, turbo 400s being so, uh, as good as they are today, way back when you had the small block Mustang, uh, with the screw blower on it, they come out with a rule. You got to run an OEM transmission, right? Yeah. And literally yeah. overnight, Todd's got one. He's testing right. at Mooresville or whatever. And there he is out here winning the race. And I just thought, man, this is, uh, it's a, it's a really cool deal. Has it, how much of a problem is it? I mean, we see the rules relatively stable in PDRA pro yeah. boost and PDRA pro nitrous. But when you look at like door slammer racing as a whole, it does seem like one of the ongoing issues, and this is more than seems like, one of the ongoing issues is parity amongst all these yeah. different combinations. Do you think that's something that has hurt, you know, specifically the NHRA series? That's been kind of the argument that, the, you know, do you think, but or is that always the case? It's always the case. I mean, when you yeah. got different power adders, everybody's going to think, you know, they got the other guys got more advantage. I do see that a little bit. I mean, I personally don't ever race that. I always race full out. I mean, and I'm going to give you all I got. And if it's good enough to win, it's going to be enough to win. And I see other deals. I don't feel like they're, they're are full out. Now, if you got the exact same stuff as I got and we're running as good as we do, and then somebody comes and outruns me, I almost think they're cheating, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. I just, we just, we do real hardcore doing what we're doing and, and, like you said, once you got two or three different power adders, it is tough. And, and it's, you know, I, some organizations don't make enough changes. Some make too many and too often. I, it, it's a catch 22. It's kind of hard one way or the other way. So my height's off them that it actually tries to keep it, you know. Oh. I literally, I feel bad for some of these guys, you know, right. um, uh, shout out actually, while we've, we're talking about rule makers to our, our friend, Lonnie Grimm, uh, yep. longtime friend of ours here at drag illustrated, a great guy, part of every event we've ever done, um, here. And he lost his father unexpectedly this week. So our, our hearts and prayers go out to Lonnie, but you're right, man. I don't envy anybody that is in that rule maker position because you're, it's just, who am I going to piss off today? Who's right. mad today? Right. You know, and it feels like a, a miserable way to live life. But thank God for those folks, because when I look at the sport right now, it feels pretty good, specifically pro mod style drag racing, be it eighth mile, quarter mile, somewhere in between all these different sanctions and series. It really feels like pro mods pretty healthy as someone who was there early on, Todd. You know, what, what do you make of the landscape right now? You got customers and all these different different sanctions and series. Uh, every once in a while, we hear some woes. Obviously, the NHRA has had a rough year in terms of car count. Cars run well, some really high quality operations over there, but definitely numbers a little bit down from what we're used to. Uh, what do you make of the scene right now? Do you feel it's healthy? Are you surprised or proud? Or what do you think about fast door slammer drag racing in 2022? I, mean, I think it's still very, very exciting. The only thing that I don't understand is the fan base. Uh, I don't know where the fans have went, right? Uh, NHRA, they got you know, fans in that deal, but there are a lot of that's for the top fuel stuff. And, and um, 
I don't know, the NHRA deal with the, with the low car counts over there. Part of us maybe because of rules or right. whatever, but I don't know. I mean, it's just uh, hopefully, I mean, I, it's, like I said, it's my livelihood. I, I think that, you know, everybody loves the pro mod stuff, even the racers. And then, but we're going back to, you know, years and years ago, they used to pay us to put the show on. Now, a lot of times now we are paying to put the show on. The racers itself are. So it, that kind of discourages me a little bit, but I don't know. I've lo always loved drag racing. I've always loved pro mods. And to me, it's the most exciting thing out there. I mean, even the, even the, uh, some of the bigger names and stuff, when they get in a pro mod car, they realize actually how hard it is. So. Uh, agreed. I mean, you you talk to any of those guys that run fuel cars or whatever, the, about the last thing they want to do is get in a pro mod car. Wow. And it's uh, and I think it speaks to uh, people have heard me say this for eons, but I truly believe pro mods is the universal language of drag racing. I mean, it's cars that look like cars driven by a bunch of cowboys and outlaws. I mean, it's it's all these different power adders, new cars, old cars, flat hoods, big screw blowers sticking out. I mean, it's all these different zoomies, header flames, all these different things. And it feels like the only class of drag. I mean, you and I, we've been in the Middle East all over creation oh, yeah. running yeah. door cars. Right? right. And it, I think that, you know, fast door slammers, pro mods. And I just think that there is still, despite all those issues that you just, you know, the issues we just talked about, I do think this is a good time for this particular yeah, part of drag is. racing. And we, we need to keep fostering it. I mean, there's nothing that I would like to see more than a, a time where it is less of a burden on the racers, right? right where right. it's not these crazy entry fees and all this stress and anxiety on how do we get enough people to pay the purse and whatnot. You know, we, we've got to get past that, but it does feel like a little bit of just maybe a, a building moment. This is one of those, a few seasons here where we're going to have to earn it. Uh, Todd. So what kind of, whenever you look at 2023, are you looking to expand your operation? I mean, do you feel like there's room? I mean, I look at like ProLine uh, and what in the army of guys that they've created. I know you've, your son, Barry Mitchell, has tuned Barry Mitchell's right. big dog car multiple yeah. years. Ty tuned that car while you were out of pocket. Do you feel like there's opportunity for you to kind of create your own version of that where you're helping customers in all these different uh, sanctions and series and different walks of the racing life? Is that the goal? That's kind of the goal. Yes, it is. I mean, I mean, I'm building a new shop right now and to, yeah. to move out and not move out to expand what we're doing. And we just kind of got 5,000 square foot here and I keep my tractor trailer inside. So it, it is a little cramped. So we are getting bigger and, um, and looking at, you know, picking up some more customers or whatever. And, you know, and, uh, doing, doing just like you're saying, not maybe a mini pro line or something, but, uh, I'm excited about it. Like I said, tuning and possibly Todd doing Todd doing a lot of tuning. He's actually going to get to drive a little bit this year too in an MCA. So we're excited oh, really? about that too. Yeah. yeah. No, that's fantastic, man. I mean, what's uh Ty, what a young man. He's been a part of our Drag Illustrated 30 under 30. It's crazy to think about seeing him and your daughter like mm -hmm. Tia racing junior dragsters and how far this whole deal has come. But how rewarding is it kind of hearing closing? Todd, and I appreciate you being so gracious with your time on a Wednesday afternoon, but to be able to do this with your family all these years, oh, that's great. Um, I mean, yeah, tell us about that. I and mean, even your crew guy, I mean, Brad Schmidt, a, a good buddy of both of ours that I've, I mean, I've known him as long as I've known you, man. I mean, how much more special is it that you've got to do it with that tight knit group of people? Yeah. I mean, you know, my Brad, I mean, he's been with me long enough. I mean, he's seen my kids grow up from 
basically a fault. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and he's been, he's like a brother to me. Well, sometimes we bump heads, but that's the way it goes. I mean, brothers bump heads, but, uh, being with my family and, and growing and them growing up in it and they've all turned out really good. Um, I, I just get a drag racing drag strip is a good place to raise a family. I mean, they ain't out doing stuff that, you know, some kids do and I don't agree with, but, uh, that my kids have grown up very well. And, and uh, like I said, we've got Christian Blackmore works with us too. He actually grew up with Ty and I've seen him and he's, you know, he's, Real good kid with this still. Uh, Ethan Steady, he's going to be a good one, too. He's going to be a good driver. He actually, he's getting to drive this year, too. So there's two cars that still get to tune at uh, PDRA. He's going to run the, the Pro Street Class over later in the season. But uh, I've been, like I said, been very fortunate. Raise a family doing it and very excited about drag racing. Man, I feel you because I tell that to people all the time. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't take your kids to like an NFL game and just let them run wild. Right. You know what I mean? But you you could take them to, you know, to the drag strip, to a PDRA race and let them run around. You know what I mean? Because, you know, everybody there is going to take care of them, going to look out for them, going to try to help them if they fall down or their, you know, their motorcycle or dirt bike or whatever won't start. There's going to be somebody over there spraying carb clean in it or whatever, trying to help them. And I just it's a unique group of people that I feel lucky to be a part of. I mean, there's you know, you, you may find a, a rough one every now and then. Right. But this is an incredible community. Can you touch on that here as we kind of wrap this up, Todd, uh, just what's going on with the PDRA? Right. I mean, what a the competition that exists there, the community that exists there. What, as someone who's raced in all these different sanctioned series and around the world, what's your take on the PDRA? It feels like they've they, they've they've stood the test of time. And I yeah. think that the best is yet to come. I think so too. There's, you know, like you said, they've struggled a little bit in the beginning and had a couple of different owners, this, that, and other, but Tommy and, and Judy Franklin are very dedicated to this deal and, and a hats off to him. You got Tyler Cross not everywhere. I mean, they're very dedicated. They just, I mean, just sometimes bad luck with the weather or whatever, but, uh, it, it's standing on its own now. I think really good. And it, it's a very, very competitive place to race. I mean, it's best of the best as far as I'm concerned is over there. Um, Ricky's come up, I run a little bit this weekend with us. And, uh, I mean, not saying he's going to totally retire. Like he's keep saying he's doing, but I like, I like to see him come over and run some with us too. And, uh, see, see how he stands up over here too. Right. I would like to see it too. Well, Hey man, uh, Todd, thank you so much for the time. We genuinely appreciate it. I can't wait to do it again. I looking forward to seeing you at the champions, uh, banquet, the ADRL or excuse me, the PDRA awards gala. That'll be coming up. I believe Friday night. I think they're having it this year at the PRI show and we'll see you out there and we'll all be yelling and screaming for you, brother. So thank you again. Congratulations. And can't wait to see what happens next, man. Thank you, Wes. Thank you for everything you do for us, too, dude. That's, that's very important here, man. Thank you. No problem, man. It's our pleasure. Appreciate you, Todd. We'll talk to you soon. Tell your better half hello. I'll do it. <laughs> dude, I think that this guy really is. Uh, I saw a bunch of comments. The GOAT. And he definitely deserves to be in that conversation. I think about the longevity of Todd Tuttero's career, the difference he's made, the impact he's made, the level of professionalism that he's brought to the sport, and the level of competition he's brought to the sport as a driver. I mean, he's one of those guys. We've asked this question a lot right here on this show. Who do you not want to see in the other lane? I'm reminded of uh, Lyle Barnett earlier this year. He, he said to us that, if he was rolling up there, the last guy you want to see up opposite you is Todd Tuttero. And he proved that 
why that is again this year in 2022 as the PDRA Pro Boost World Championship or World Champion. Man, Mike, uh, I know you've got some probably Todd Tuttero stories. We should have threw you in there because you you got to see a lot of that. Well, you probably yeah, diapers like me for some of it. Well, for the very early parts of it, but the later years, the Don Plemons Quick Eight series in the mid to late 2000s. Again, that's that Todd's the guy you didn't want to see. You see that orange Willie's over there. Uh, you know, usually and who knew what he would have top. in it, yeah. right? Uh, a 481X with twin turbos or a nitrous motor or well, a, the Don Plemons deal. deal was nitrous only, as oh, God yeah, intended, yeah. as we like to say. But the uh, then later, yeah, he had other combinations in there and. Todd, I think, has also made some crazy one-off runs. I think he went like 210 or 215 miles an hour or something at, at Farmington. He could correct me if I'm wrong with his with the turbo car once he put those in the in the Willys. And then I think he's gone over 200 at Shady Side, which if you've ever laid eyes on Shady Side and picture a car going 200 in the eight there, and with the shutdown and everything going on there, it's a good track, but it is is old school and uh, not a lot of the latest safety innovation. So the guy, <laughs> not only, not only, you know, races professional, uh, you know, ADRL, PDRA, but he's done a tremendous amount of outlaw stuff as well. I think I the saw Carolinas. the video of him going like up that. It looks like he's going around the way at Shady Side. It looks like yeah. he's headed around the corner to grandma's house or something. He's going <laughs> 205 miles an hour up that hill. There's like a cord, a wire yeah. hanging across the yeah, top end. I'm pretty it's sure like, the, the scoreboard or whatever, the wind light's hanging on that. And there's just woods <laughs> off to the side. And he's like, let's send it, dude. Uh, I get I miss a certain amount of that, you know, and I, I'm all the everybody early gets guys up in arms. Had that man, all yeah. the early guys had that. But then as these cars kept getting faster and faster, my dad, even uh, the one of the last runs that he made, he came back for the first time I've ever seen him kind of wide eyed and said, man, I didn't think that thing was ever going to stop pulling. You went like 201, 202, and it was just something he hadn't felt. And he always communicated pretty well how fast these cars are getting and when like todd going 210 or whatever um with the with the turbo combination but back in the day you could get you could get away with racing on an old school backwoods track you had you know you were mainly shifting you had clutch you didn't have as much horsepower everything was a little bit different and then these cars now are you know they're like a rubber band you just pull it back let it go hope it stays straight if it doesn't because they're moving so fast, your time to react is is almost nothing. And Ricky it, Smith made that point when the NHRA earlier this season uh, put that rule in place that you're going to have to manually shift the cars. He said something to the effect of like, people fail to realize that these pro mods now run like alcohol funny cars. Like we're not, this is a different, this is a different era for pro mod. It's not the same. Todd's still on here watching. I'm going to ask him right now. Here, Todd, <laughs> let's bring it back. He's still, Todd, he do you, do you, do you agree with us? Like the, the manually shifting thing has probably, that ship has sailed. I think so. I mean, like it wasn't alcohol funny cars. When the fuel cars was running, the speed we're running, they didn't shift them. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's, it's a lot, you know, it's easy to say, oh, just go shift it. Well, yeah, just go shift it. But you also, I mean, these guys are crashing these cars without shifting them. I mean, well, even you, back you in the, concentrate in on something else. I mean, it's just, uh, we're at the point that they don't need to be, they need to be automatic shifted. I mean, even, a, even back in the mid 2000s and IHRA days when it was manually shifted, it was air, air pods, but, you had in a nitrous car, you had to make the one, two shift in less than one second. Even that's back right. Then. Exactly. So it's, it's been tough for a while and it's, 
the class by giving the automatic shifters and all the other technology, the, the speed of the cars progress so, so much that you can't put that genie back in the bottle. I right. think that's I mean, probably I mean, what Ricky was saying. And the, and the pro stock guys, NHRA pro stock guys do it. Fabulous fabulous job with it. I mean, you watch them do it and then it's, and they got to be on cause they, they, they won't stand that, but these cars are accelerating so fast. I mean, and, and the, the wheels are in there for a long time and shifting and it, it's just a more safety thing. And it is, you know, worry about who can do it. Who do can't. you agree? Like, can you, you know, talking about Mike re recounting his, and Charles has told me this story as well, that when he started getting down to that, you know, low three seventies, 200, three, wow. you know, on the verge of a three sixty run, he told me, he's like, it was like the first time I ever felt like, I don't want to like say scared, but like this thing got his attention more. So have you, I mean, can you kind of attest to that same thing, having been a part of this for so long and running all through the fours and you were a part of the scene when a four flat was a big deal? I remember being at Rockingham right. for drag stock three and we saw like side by side four O's in, in pro nitrous and it was the shot heard around the world. Well, hell, people wouldn't even walk outside to see a run like that anymore. I mean, can you attest to when you're getting down into the 360s or in the 350s? I mean, tell us about that. Yeah, it is. I mean, and it's, it's the acceleration of these cars. Like I said, we're running zero to six, the, the 60 foot clock, at, you know, nine tenths of a second almost dead on. 909, and And when you do that, and say you shut off at 80 feet, all right, you're running 80 miles an hour. Well, you can coast a complete quarter mile and get off the end of the racetrack without touching, without, you know, it's amazing how how much how fast these things are. I mean, and it's like I said, and the wheels are in there. And then they go out there and shake and rattle, and you're kind of driving around. It's it's they come some... a long, they come a long ways now. I, and I used to I used to shift the cars. I mean, I raced when I ran the Willis and uh, Mike Small Block car or the nitrous car you was telling about earlier. One of them was a Lenko four speed. And I would climb out of that car at the same race and get in another car, and it was a Liberty five-speed. Now, could I do that today? Probably not. Because <laughs> mostly that was rhythm, rhythm anyway, but not, to not today's time. I mean, and I'd actually um, done some shifters for the, the, the NHRA stuff when, it, when they changed over, and drove, I drove my car and I drove Ricky's car, Nitro's car with the uh, Liberty shifter. It come back to me, and I think you know. I think I could really do a good job with it. But if it was anything goes wrong, and like PDRA, we run at night, and some of these tracks is not lit as good as much as others. And then the, you can put the speed and trying to shift it, the shift light coming on, and all that. I'm not into it. <laughs> <laughs> what was the speed that you went in that, that that I'm talking about at Farmington? What what was that number? Uh, I think I run, I think it was 212 or something. Yeah. And that was, that was unheard of. And like you said, the <laughs> shady side, and that's when I put the uh, lock up in the, yeah. in the roots car. And I said, well, we went up our test, right? With three runs, I went 200, 200 some miles an hour. And everybody's yeah, like, everybody's, and I think it was, uh, uh, 380 something. And that was like on five or six, 700 quicker than the record ever been there. And it was the roots car instead of a screw. And it was like, it got my attention, and, and like I said, going up around that hill there, and it was like, wow. <laughs> oh, my God. I, but I had been, I've been in that racetrack years ago, 
And that's when, you know, the nitrous card, like you're talking about Don Plymouth's race and stuff. And the fan base, that was big, right? And we would do a burnout. And, and backing up from the burnout, these people were leaning over the guardrail, standing at the guardrail. They were leaning over the guardrail, just throwing their hands up. The better to burn out, you know, they, they, they'd be right <laughs> on top of us. I'd think, man, I would not even stand there. And with, especially with me coming down through there. <laughs> yeah, you watch a lot of those old videos from Farmington and, and a lot of those quick gate races. Like after the run, you can hear the crowd cheering. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and whether, you know, in ooing and eyeing or cheering, whoever they were betting on. So, um, it's really cool, like those those you those small tracks like that, where oh. I mean there there might have not even been two thousand people at Farmington, but they're it's so tight and compact that it sounds like you know you're at oh yeah it's like Thunderdome you yeah. know it's it's yeah. incredible I I say this a lot but I mean it. pro mod and drag racing in general like it looks good in an environment like that I think a guy's like Quain Stott and his gassers deal. Oh. Like those cars aren't crazy fast. They're not running 200, but they, they put on a hell of a show and it looks really good at a facility like that. I'm curious, um, JT, bring, bring Johnny Placino into the yeah. party. Cause I bet Johnny, does Johnny speaking think of shifting yourself? Speaking of shifting cars, Johnny, I suppose you think you could drive a, a 350, 360 car with us, with a stick in it. <laughs> oh yeah, he does. Do you? I don't know, man. Um, I've, I haven't breeze yet, so uh, I'm not going to say I can, but I've never driven an automatic car. so. Well, hey, man, uh, there's. I think that's how you get into heaven. Even Todd will agree with that. If all you've ever raced is a car with a three pedals, you've got a free ticket to heaven. You've got a great several decades ahead of you because you can do no wrong. You race a car with a stick shift, right? That's right, that's right. Yeah, even Todd gets it. Um, Todd, uh, do you pay attention to Mountain Motor Pro Stock at all? I mean, I think it's one oh, yeah. of the unsung heroes of the PDRA. Uh, Johnny Placino, it's hard to even imagine this young man having two world championships to his credit. Three, if you count, Pro 632. What do you make of Mountain Motor, Todd? I, I, I still love that class. I mean, I do. I mean, I've raced Mountain Motor, and, and it's a unique deal. Uh, like you're saying, they still got the clutches and stuff in them, and it's just like harder drag racing. I mean, I kind of grew up watching uh, Harold Denton, and every, I mean, and Ricky was involved with that, and Ronnie Sox done some of it. I mean, it's just uh, very exciting. Right? And I'll say, seeing Johnny standing behind a nitrous car trying to help them guys out a little bit this weekend, too. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> So. Johnny's sharp. That's the thing. Is oh, it, yeah. John, Johnny's a sharp young guy. I think that. Do you think? Do you see a future in that? I mean, obviously, you you want to wheel these cars, Johnny. But when you see somebody like Todd Tuttero, who and he's not the only one. There's several of these guys that have kind of in Ricky Smith's another great example. I mean, he used to be still to this uh, to this point. Uh, to this day, excuse me, he's still a guy you call if you can't get your car to go down the track, or you're struggling, or you're lost. Ricky Smith will, will get your shit right in a hurry. Um, do you see that as something that is kind of in the in your future, Johnny? Is that something that you could see yourself being passionate about, helping other racers? Um, you know, it's tough. It's tough to do that and make a career out of it. Um, it's something that I'd love to do one day, but it's a difficult thing. I'm sure Todd knows. Um, it's just a very time-consuming deal, and, you know – I, I guess I'm a, I'm a younger guy. I live on Long Island, New York. It's not a uh, cheap place to live by any stretch. So it's hard when you're young, you don't want to step into something and try and make drag racing a total full on career. If you're not hundred percent of the stability. So right now I'm kind of happy with my current dynamic. Keep it as a, as a, as a hobby, you know, um, uh, you know, 
right now it's perfect for me. Yeah, that's, I, I can't argue with that at all. Todd, dude, thank you so much. We had to bring you back on and talk a little yeah. bit of Shady Side. Um, we'll see you uh, around the bin. We'll see you at the PDRA banquet, if not sooner. All right, brother? Thank you, man. See Thanks, buddy. Um, well, Johnny, I, it is interesting because you talk about being right where you want. Uh, tabling all of that, you got to be a little bit surprised, right? I mean, that, maybe not surprised, but, I mean, having been a part of this, I mean, I've seen the pictures of you and your dad's car when you were this tall, um, to have this level of success at this point in your career. I mean, is it surreal for even you? Well, first, I got to correct you, man. This is number four now. I had two 632s. Oh, yeah. Two 632s. I don't yeah. want to let the people get it off, right. You know, so. No, we got to get it right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's surprising, I guess, would be one word. But um, I guess as time goes, you just look for another win, another championship. Uh, and, and once you get one, you know, why isn't two possible? Once I win this race, why can't I win the next race? You know, so if you're looking at it at a smaller scope, and you just look forward to the next race or the next championship or the next run, why can't I be the guy to win, right? Why not, right? Why not me? I think that's a question that racers should ask themselves a lot because I do think that sometimes you start to put these folks up on pedestals, you know, and it's, I'll never be able to do that. But you have to ask yourself that question. Why not me? Why not our team? Why not us? What do you have to point to something specifically what is it that you think has been perhaps the secret sauce for your program's success? I mean, you mentioned it four world championships, two in Mountain Motor Pro Stock that I think has been absolutely nasty the last few seasons. We got new cars, we got some, you know, the old guard that's still participating, fresh faces and everything in between. We've seen the the level of competition ratchet up significantly. What do you point to as being the difference maker for Placino Racing? We just have a good, diverse group of people in my camp and that help us, you know, um, between my dad, who's been doing this for a very, very long time. He's got an extremely good foundation of drag racing. He's been doing it. And, and there's something that you just can't replace uh, experience for. Right. Experience um, just at times will get you through a lot of different scenarios. And he has that really good foundation. Um, I'd like to think I brought some different aspects of, of different ideas to our operation as well. And we work good together, even though we fight uh, like cats and dogs sometimes, you know, so that's a nice balance. Um, and then I have all volunteer guys who bleed this stuff just like me and my dad do. Right. So uh, when you have that type of passion, nobody's, nobody's getting paid. Nobody's, you know, hired anything of that nature. You all bleed it. You work well together. It's a good group. Then I have so many good people behind me and there's really nothing that we're lacking. We're a low budget team and we do it out of a 97, you know, 40 foot gooseneck uh, with, with, with a, you know, four 4,500 series truck pulling it. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, we have really good horsepower. We have John Cosi, right. We have really good horsepower. We have a Jerry house race car. You know, I feel like I can drive with the best of them. Why, why can't we, if we put all those pieces together, why can't we run with J.R. Carr or Elijah Morton who have their own programs? You know, um, that's kind of how I look at Mountain Motor Pro Stock. It, the class itself is the rules have kept it enough in check to where, you know, you don't have to spend a million dollars a year to go racing. And when you have extremely good partners like Shameless Racing and Strut Masters and Featherlight Batteries and everybody who's worked with us um, and, and just people that stand behind us, Ram Clutches and Hoosier Tire when you have all that support from these people that you've gained over time racing um, and working with their products, it, it just, you have everything you need. You just got to go do it. And we work 
as hard or uh, harder than anybody else at the racetrack. Do you think that that like I was thinking about that earlier, that it, it is a worthwhile debate because you could argue that it takes a hired gun crew, right? Got fly in guys or dedicated guys that are working on it, like that level of maintenance, that level of professionalism. To some extent, it feels like you could say it's a requirement for success. However, there are rare, maybe not rare, but there are instances where a really solid group of guys that have worked together for a long time see each other like family. And you mentioned you fighting like cats and dogs, but that's what family does, right? And it's that sometimes they're doing it for all the right reasons, right? They're not there earning a paycheck. They're not there because they have to be there. They're there because they want to be there. Honestly, I mean, I may eat these words someday, but I would almost rather have those guys than the best hired gun dude in the world. Like I'd rather have a highly passionate seven than a miserable and hates being here. 10. Does it make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're, they're going to want to be there at 3 AM when you're trying to get something fixed, you know, they're going to want to figure it out and get that win the next day. The other guy's going, I, I'm not really want to be here. I want to get to bed, you know? Um, so it's just, it's just how you work together. We, we, we want to win, you know, as bad, uh, as anybody at, at the racetrack and we'll do what it takes to win. And um, when you're all pushing in the right direction, it, it makes it a lot easier. What do you make of this uh, three second mark? That seems to be like the talk every year we get to since like 97, it feels like. Uh, I mean, I'm obviously being exaggerative, but every October, the conversation turns to who's going to do the deal, who's going to run a, a, the first ever three in competition in Mountain Motor Pro Stock. Are you surprised that number hasn't fallen? I mean, are you surprised that it's still out there or does that just speak to the difficulty? A little bit of both. It's extremely difficult. It um, People don't realize how difficult it is to pick up numbers once you're already pretty much maximized. Um, your potential, uh, you know, you really only race in those conditions once a year or so. So you only have a handful of runs to really go get the job done. Um, and to move the number on a 60 foot or a 330, even to the eighth mile, it's just it's, it's extremely hard. We have a fixed amount of horsepower. Um, it's, it's just it's very difficult to do. Very, very difficult to do. Because it's all going to be down low more than light, right? I mean, it's going to be in those that 60 to 330 split or, or the 60 foot, right? I mean, that's the only because once that thing's got its tongue hanging out, right? Or you're you going toward to go, high gear. What are you, you going to do? Go, you have to go 958 to 960, you know, and 60 feet. Um, and to get one of those cars with all that torque uh, and horsepower to make the gear change and do all, it's just, those numbers are really hard to come by and you can't mess up at all. Um, and you got to go 180 miles an hour in, in the eighth. It's just, it's a lot to do with a naturally aspirated car. Do you think that it's, I've noticed that the obviously uh, the the run order has changed in the PDRA, and we're seeing the pro stock cars run later in the session. How, has that helped considerably, like just getting some of that glue and getting the track kind of worn in a little bit? Because I can only imagine. I, I go back to when clutches were still relatively uh, commonplace in pro modified racing, pro nitrous and pro boost, uh, or at the time, excuse me, pro extreme in the ADRL, and when those super prec prepped tracks start to become the norm man those guys with cl with clutches were going holy i can't throw enough at it to make this thing go down this track consistently has that that change in run order helped you guys no we actually don't like it you don't uh, we like really it. Don't, okay no we don't we don't like running behind the pro street cars um we'd rather run more towards the front of the session to be honest with you 
um, as a group, that's what I've gotten as a consensus. Uh, it, it works better for PDRA, you know, it, it, and that's, that's important that we, you know, just follow along with what they want to do in there. Um, it, it's not a terribly negative thing for us. Just usually just tears the starting lineup a little bit more for us. Um, most of the time they'll prep in front of uh, Pro Nitrous. And then, you know, there's 16 cars that run there, 16 cars at Boost and then Pro Street. So you have to adjust a little bit. Sometimes they'll go ahead and uh, prep in front of the Pro Street cars. Sometimes. Not. What's the ideal scenario? Just like for my own curiosity, would you guys like to run like right after Pro Boost? I mean, when they first, it, it all depends, you know, you could, you can overdo the racetrack. Um, it, it depends at certain racetracks. The starting line will be coming up more than others. Uh, PDRA has done a really good job this year, I think, of not overgluing the racetrack. So we haven't had um, that, that difficult of a situation. And to be honest with you, when we started getting into those, those scenarios where uh, prep turned a little bit tighter and a little bit more glue, I think a lot of us went out and, and uh, tried to figure that out a little bit. So I think we have a little bit of an answer for that on clutches. I think, um, that was something that we weren't as used to years ago, but I know for us, we went out to Donald Long's race with a 632 clutch car, um, just to go out and make some runs in that and, and figured if there's going to be glue somewhere, uh, they have all the glue in the world. So let's go there, figure it out, learn something. Um, so I'm not, I'm not terribly afraid That's of it. Um, as long as the track's consistent, we're all in the same spot. Let's get after it. What do you make of uh, like the the new and it's not newfound, but we have seen an influx of of new faces in Mountain Motor Pro Stock, and I'm curious, do you think that that's going to lead to because there's a double edged sword that exists in Mountain Motor where it's been fantastic that there hasn't been. 50 new teams show up with their own engine programs, and we haven't seen you know Johnny doesn't have to have a CNC machine in his shop you know, to go be successful in mountain motor pro stock, but it has also made those performance mark marks very elusive. Do you feel that there is, I mean, are we on the cusp of maybe a new era for mountain motor pro stock where there's some new teams, there's some new money, there's some fresh, you know, kind of guys that are a little bit earlier in the process. I think of people such as yourself that, you know, haven't, you know, I, we see guys like John Monacalvo, they've been around the a block in, in mountain motor pro stock racing, and maybe they're kind of tapering off and looking to do less well, you're looking to do more. I mean, you've been to these NHRA exhibitions. Do you think that we're going to see some new technology, some new engine programs, new cylinder head designs, new intakes? I mean, what, 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 what's next in the, the performance department for Mountain Motor Pro Stock? I think that guys have been pushing the envelope this year. Um, as long as we keep the rules in check and don't stray outside of what we have right now. I mean, we have no billet head rule right now. Um, and there are talks of people trying to push that uh, rule and, and change it, which to me would not make any sense. Um, it would take everybody's stuff where we're, we're kind of gaining momentum right now and getting 16 cars or more at some races. Um, and it would take everybody. If this billet heads better, then we kind of all have to go to billet heads and revamp everything. And it really wouldn't make sense to do that. So some smaller guys who are trying to get their programs under themselves um, would, would struggle during that. So as long as we can keep the rules in, I welcome whoever wants to come build one. I mean, it, you know, I, I understand um, there's been talks of elite building them or KB building them or, um, you know, I'll put John Kazi against anybody. Um, I'm sorry, John, that I'm putting this pressure on you, but, um, he's, he's, he's really sharp, you know, Mike Allen, the Sonny's guys, um, you know, Frank Ugliata, extremely talented guys. Um, I don't think any of them are overly afraid of what everybody else out there can do. Which I can see the argument going either way. Cause part of me thinks, man, we need to keep that away, right? We need to keep 
Because, I mean, let's be honest, there are differences. You know, you start, you start thinking about guys that are doing this. I mean, you mentioned that, you know, living in Staten Island, this is your kind of your weekend project. And I'm not saying you're not working on it through the week, but you, you bring into the fold people that earn their living doing this stuff day in and day out and these R&D programs and all the equipment. It does seem like we're, we're not quite ready for that in Mount because it feels like it's stabilizing. Like the, the car count, the turnout we had at uh, PDRA World Finals in Extreme Pro Stock as good as we've seen in a long, long time. And it feels like there's room for growth. We don't want to derail that, right? I mean, we want to keep people feeling like because I look at like top sportsmen and PDRA specifically, there's hardly any of those guys that couldn't, for the same money or less, go race heads up in extreme pro stock. And I think that that's an exciting thing. And maybe that needs to become more of the conversation that like, hey, you can go run heads up pro stock drag racing over here and do it relatively reasonably. Does that make sense? Oh. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But I think the rules take care of a lot of that, and I think the drivers um, and this class take care of a decent amount of it. You know, I mean, the driver in these cars has a lot to do with the outcome of the run. Um, they're they're pretty difficult cars to drive and, and shift on time, and all of that matters. And um, depending how you drive is going to really dictate how that how that car runs down the racetrack. So there's a lot that we still have a good say about inside the race car. Um, and, and honestly, the rules are, are the rules they're, they're written out, you know? So, um, I don't know. I, I they've been working on the, the, these same heads, the, you know, John Cosby and Sonny and, uh, all these teams have been working on these same heads for, you know, 10, 15, 20 somewhat years, you, you know? So if somebody else wants to grab the same castings and work on the same uh, parameters that were there, they've been working on, I just don't know. It would take a while for them to really go ahead and, um, kick them all in their teeth if that makes sense oh I, I i can't argue that whatsoever what do you make of 2023 johnny i mean you're you're obviously i'm assuming going to come out and uh, defend your crown in pdra extreme pro stock but we have seen you know significant interest on the nhra side with the a handful of shootouts that took place this year there's talks of some other events happening I mean, what what's your kind of let's do our state of affairs or current like state of the union on mountain motor pro stock racing where do you see this deal headed it's extremely exciting. I mean, like you said before, we have some young blood coming out, which is great. Um, it's been the same group mostly in Mountain Motor Pro Stock for a long time. A lot of guys, you know, 50s and 60s and, and somewhat. And obviously, they're not going to race for another 40 years. So you need to get some new blood in, in a class that's been around for a long time. So to see some younger guys come in this class uh, and, and, and some, some of the other guys, you know, moving the needle forward. I mean, Elijah Morton's been putting a ton into their program. Um, and, and pushing the needle. They've run extremely well. J.R. Carr, somebody else who has really pushed the needle on the program, and um, they've run extremely well as well. So uh, to have a little bit of both, guys have been doing it for a while, new guys. Um, I know there's a lot of other cars that are out there that weren't even at that race, and we had over 18 cars with a really good bump. The field was 401, and, um, you know, old Daddy Warlock was on the, on the bump, uh, and that's a car that won a race last year. You know what I'm saying? So it, one to 16, anybody could win a race. And that's, that's really good racing. So moving forward, um, you know, I, I just see it getting even better, tighter. Um, and, and you can't go out there and, 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 you know, you're not getting a duck first round. Um, and you're going to have to go out and drive. And it's going to make everyone push their performance in the race car and around the race car forward. So uh, to go out there and win a championship, to me, you know, I, I know we won this year. Um, we won in 2020. My dad won in 2016. Um, 
I think this was the most difficult year to race Mount Motor Pro Stock in the last 10 years. And, and, and I, I hope next year is even more difficult. Um, but that competition, you know, it, it really, it really pushes you. What did you make of, I, I was personally excited to see Tony Gillig throw his hat into the ring this year. This is, you talk about really talented drivers. I think he made his presence known immediately. And it's cool to hear that from you, that you want it to be that way, right? I mean, we're seeing Mount Motor Pro Stock at its height in, in terms of competition, at least in eighth mile competition. And I've, it's, it is exciting, man. What do you, do you hear that? I mean, you could hear it from Todd Tuttero a moment ago. Like there is real reverence for what happens inside those cars. I think no matter where you're at in the drag racing space, you think about a car with an 850 plus cubic inch or whatever, 820 to 850 cubic inch engine and a manual transmission. And you're going, that's not for the faint of heart. Do you think that that challenge is still enticing to people? You know, is that something that still people still want to, to pursue? Because as you said, there's perhaps no diff more difficult way to go drag racing. Yeah. Um, you know, the only thing is you have to want to work. You have to want to work on your stuff physically, you know, um, drag the clutch out, transmission out, you know, every run, if you want to run at the highest level. So if you're good with working um, and you're confident <laughs> as a driver, you know, that's the recipe to come run Mountain Motor Pro Stock, in my opinion. Um, and you talk about guys like Tony and more guys coming in and, um, you know, hats off to those guys. He's a really good friend of mine. Beginning of the year, you guys did an article on Mountain Motor Pro Stock. In going into this year and uh i was interviewed by nate and he asked me you know who, who are you worried about this year who, who are your guys that are on your radar and um i said tony gillig jr Carr, and if john DeFlorian runs a full season he's a problem so again at the end of the year it was me tony gillig jr Carr, and then when john DeFlorian came out he was a problem so um you know a hundred percent you know those guys know how to race i i knew they would have the equipment uh i knew that he's an extremely good driver uh, and it showed all year long. You know, there was – the championship could have went either way with him and I, to be completely honest. There was two races I look back to. Um, you know, he turned one red and I shook at Kentucky second round, and I went on to win that race. That doesn't happen. You know, I won I won the championship by three rounds. Does that does that change it? You know, um, I got him first round at Maple Grove in a Pellafest. You know, and I went on to win that race. If, if that doesn't happen, that could have flipped. You know, in a, in a seven-race deal – you know, those those head to head matchups are going to make the difference. Him and I both went rounds. We both dro drove well, qualified towards the top. Um, but in those those seven race deals, you start in the countdown. Right. You don't. There's no <laughs> good there's point. No, you start in the countdown and uh, and every round that you go against those guys that, you know, are going to be up front is a big round. You know, whether it's the first race of the year, the middle of the year, the end of the year. Uh, I know in the beginning of the year I've been down this road before, so I, I know that. You know, in the past, when I in 2021, when I failed to win the championship, I said, you know, these two rounds that I that I lost really would have been the difference at the end of the year. So you really got to make the most of those. You got to capitalize on those. Um, that's what I've come to, to learn. Oh, you're exactly right. I think that's well said. And we need to, like, use that quote, because when you start the PDRA season, you're you're in the countdown that we do not have any room uh, to 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 make up time. Right. I mean, and it's especially with, unfortunately, the weather that they continue to to contend with. Man, it is a it's a rough deal. And you better get while the getting's good and, and make some progress early on because it can come down to a handful of rounds. Johnny, we couldn't be more proud of you, man. I, I do want to mention real quick as a member of our Drag Illustrated 30 under 30. Um, are you are you coming to PRI? Uh, you're part of our alumni. Will you be at PRI to accept your championship and be a part yeah. of the whole scene? OK, yeah, great, because we 
we would love to uh, have you at our 30 under 30 unveil as well, because you're it's cool to see the people that we kind of called our shots on saying like, hey, he's he's going to do the deal. Uh, it's awesome to see them have the success that you're having, Johnny. You're a great ambassador for our sport, man, and we couldn't be more proud of you nor more happy. So congrats, Johnny, and uh, appreciate your time on a Wednesday afternoon, buddy. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. No problem, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys, I want to remind everybody that each and every episode of the West Buck show is brought to you by way of our friends at Redline Oil. Log on to redlineoil.com today and look for sponsorships to be a part of potentially Team Redline Oil in 2023. They are accepting applications as we speak. Incredible honor to be a part of this organization, to be associated with them in any way, shape, or form. And if you think you've got what it takes, if you're out here making a difference in motorsports, going rounds, winning races, log on to redlineoil.com and make sure that you throw your name in the hat. Mike, JT, I know that we've got another guest queued up. I think he's pulled over on the side of the road somewhere. I hope he's not broke down. Might you just know, be pulled over. If it was us, if it was me, he'd registration, just be pulled over. Sir. <laughs> oh, my God, man. Um, how about JP real quick? Great to hear from Johnny Placino. It, it is kind of weird to think because it doesn't seem like it was that long ago that he was like thinking about racing, and now he's got four world championships to his credit. Yeah, it's Pretty nuts, wild, man. man. And the, yep. the father-son aspect of it, I think a, a lot of people can relate to. And in that style of racing, they've, they've got to be – at the top of that list of father son combinations. So kudos to them. Great people do it off of a, a low budget. If you've ever seen their rig, you know, they drive the, they got the, uh, what, what's that thing called? You know, it's, it's like a, it's like a four door cab. Yeah. Crew cab dually. Uh, crew, crew cab. Well, no, it's not a crew cab dually. It's oh, like, like a, a Kodiak, like a top yeah, kick. Yeah. 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 Top kick. That, there you go. And they, yeah, they'll, man, they'll be cruising around. To the you, hotel you wouldn't think that, that they're, you wouldn't think they're low budget with the swag they walk around with, you know? Oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I know. Johnny's got the, the sublimated crew shirts on, oh, you yeah. know, the gold yeah. chain. He's got the whole <laughs> – yeah, he, he's doing it right. But it is cool, and I, I do – I really think that if anybody out there – now you can, it's not for the faint of heart. You've got to be willing to do some work, and it is backbreaking labor to run a, a clutch car at that level. But I will say that, man, it is incredible because – that's one of the things that hurts the sport, you know, in some instances is trying the keeping up with the Joneses that just happens naturally. Like nobody's at fault, but you've got to have, you know, if, uh, if Chris Thorne gets this, you've got to get this right. And the way that they've kind of frozen the, the not, and people may take offense to that, but they've, they've said the rules are, are such that we don't have, like you said, or like Johnny said, there's no billet head in mountain motor pro stock. So a lot of these things that, produce massive leaps in technology they just were like all right we're making billet heads in pro mod now and it's just another uh escalation and and i think there is something to be said for freezing a deal i i bet there's a lot of people in pro mod that would love some of this to have happened in that class and maybe the acceleration of it wouldn't have been as much probably not our next guest jamie miller because i think he's taking advantage of everything <laughs> that's available to him but uh, yeah it's it's a kind of a double-edged sword but i can see both it sides is it. i can argue either way i mean i think about some things that when those rapid moments of escalation happen there's almost always some people that fall to the wayside i mean whenever that whenever lyle barnett said that last wednesday that stevie jackson changed the face of nhra promod i'd never thought about it like that but he was right. 
I mean, the level of professionalism that is now required, the willingness to, you know, quote unquote, run the rods out of it and run things on the ragged edge. It's it's never been more competitive, nor is the effort. The effort has never been what it is right now to be successful at that level. And I guess that's a pretty fantastic way to introduce our next guest here on the West Buck Show, fresh off not only securing a championship with his first round win, with their first round win at the NHRA Fall Nationals, but also capping it off with a win. I don't know that there's any better way to put an exclamation point on what has been an incredibly dominant season. Let's give it up for the crew chief. What I think, someone who I think has certainly thrown their hat in the ring for tuner of the year. I, I have sure. a funny feeling that that <clears throat> shit may be locked up. Um, but <laughs> let's give it up for my friend, the one, the only member of the founding member of the Red Hat Mafia, Jamie Miller. What's up, Jamie? What's up? How you guys doing? Good. How you doing, oh, man? We're doing good, good man. Good. Where, where are you at? You like stuck? Where, where are you at in the world right now? <laughs> so I'm on my way to uh, Steel, Alabama for No Prep Kings this weekend. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we got home. Uh, we got home Monday and still trying to, to grasp it all and let it all sit in. You know what I mean? Set in on me. And and uh, so I had to get back on the road. And I'm honestly, I'm like uh, on a four week uh, on tour here, like I like to say. So we're going to go from uh, No Prep Kings to Ducks Race. Um, and then we've got MIR and then we're back to Orlando. So yeah, it's, uh, it's a, <laughs> it's schedule. a four week full ski, full <laughs> schedule, no doubt. Right. It, it never stops, but it's all right. It, it, I'm curious. There's a lot I want to talk to you about with, and I, I will try not to keep you too long so you can get on down the road to, uh, um, but how did this all come to be? Like my first introduction to you, um, was kind of by way of the pro line camp. Right. I think I started seeing you helping out with a handful of these teams and you were one of right. what I believe to be like the first kind of outside satellite tuner. Right. Like I always Correct. tell people when people ask me about ProLine, I always try to explain it. It's like a really successful college campus. And then they start building these satellite universities that I went to. You know what I mean? Right. For two weeks. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, you know, and it's they they've and they've done a masterful job of it. But you were one of the first ones that I was in that I bumped into uh, you, Josh Ledford. There was a handful of you guys. Um, but you've you've taken this to the, the the pinnacle of our sport. And I guess I'm just curious what happened before that? I mean, you're a chassis builder. You'll wire a car. You'll build a car. You'll fix a set of headers in a trailer. You can tune it. I mean, you'll do it all. Where did all that come from? How did like what happened pre ProLine? All right, so going way back, I I happened to uh, just get and do some uh, chassis fabrication stuff like that, and um, really that's what started it. I did circle track cars. I did a uh, um, a lot of circle track racing um, with with uh, guys out of Connecticut and. Um, you know, it was, it was like the foundation of all this stuff. I learned how to do all fabrication there. Then I've always had interest in, 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 uh, you know, drag racing. So I kind of took it from there. I started a little shop and that grew to a bigger, uh, you know, hiring guys and doing cars, mostly small tire stuff. And then that kind of worked its way into doing some stuff with DMC racing out of Massachusetts, got to meet Jason Enos, um, and, Enos is kind of what really started the whole deal um, for me working with ProLine. That was, that was kind of what it really got going for me. So, um, you know, we, we, we started um, with Enos and, and we did um, 
basically Petty would come in and, and help us tune the car. And then I would, if Petty, you know, this was obviously when, when Lynch and Petty were both running outlaw 10, five, um, we would go back and forth. We would do a bunch of testing and then I would run the car um, at the race. So um, that's kind of how it all, all stemmed out. And basically Petty said to me at one point, he's like, man, we need help over at the shop tuning. Is it something you'd be interested in? So that's really where it, where it kind of started and how it all happened. And, and, uh, and from there, I honestly, I, I can remember when he asked me about it and I'm like, I don't know how I'm ever going to make a living tuning race cars, but I definitely can't turn down the offer and I'm going to try it out and see how it all works. What, was that the red twin turbo Mustang or the silver one that Eno's had? No, the red, the red, the red one. Yeah. 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 Cause yeah. that was like one of the, I remember when that car came out because right. it was, you know, the talk of town, we'd seen all these old outlaw 10, five cars, right. you know, kind of moving into the radial world. And, and that was the, that was the setup. That was the hot setup. Right. And this was one of the first like purely pure, you know, high end yes. purpose built small tire cars. And it set the world on fire, right. For a oh, long time. Did. So, yeah, and, and what was cool is we got to race, you know, Petty and Lynch were heavy in the 10-5 race. And Jason came on the scene, and it was the identical combination out of, uh, you know, Lynch and Petty's vet. You know, it was a billet 670. And so I I had a little bit of experience tuning, um, very limited, but I could get my way around it. And so, like I said, Petty would come in. He would he would go testing with us all the time. And then Enos was, was heavy into it. Like, so he would go testing, even if they couldn't, right. Or if Petty couldn't make it. So I'd try stuff and I'd call him and be like, Hey man, we tried this. We tried this ratio doing, doing, try just anything out of the box to see how stuff would work. And we shared the data and man, we just built this relationship and, and I couldn't believe it because at the time, like you got to remember, I, I watched him and Lynch race and I was like, man, this guy is unbelievable. Like he's the best out there. And now I'm having daily conversations with this guy. It was, it was, it's still like surreal to me. You know what I mean? The, the relationship that I have with Steve, I mean, I consider him a very good friend. I talk to him almost every day and it's like where this has gone to, I certainly would not be here um, with obviously a lot of work, a uh, hard work, my family, but Petty was, you know, instrumental in, in helping me get to this point, you know, and, and he was like an open book for me um, and was willing to share, which I couldn't believe honestly, because he was not that way with many people. You know what I mean? Because that surprises even me. Like I've heard it uh, many, many times and I've actually, and it, it's kudos because I think Steve's probably uh, perhaps Steve Petty, of course, we're talking about world renowned tuner. For those of you that maybe don't know who we're talking about, this is a guy that, you know, earned his stripes alongside Tim Lynch, uh, the Lynch mob, uh, as they were known back then and ran around the United States, crushing every 10, five small tire record, winning every race. And it was really the the tool that built the pro line brand. Oh yeah. I mean, Absolutely. they, they didn't need to advertise. They just went and set the next record and the phone rang on Monday. It was an incredible thing to see. Then we see him transition into pro modified first with David Hansen, those guys, and then T- Troy Coughlin, they won multiple world championships and kind of really revolutionized door slammer drag racing. They introduce this combination, the twin turbo automatic deal. And now right. it, you know, for, for a considerable amount of time, that was, I mean, if you win the lottery or you decide to go pro mod racing, well, that's, who you one, call. <laughs> that's who you call. I mean, that's all there was to it. And I'm right. surprised because I've heard so many tuners over the years refuse to bring on help or refuse to bring on the young guy because they don't want to basically give him an education and then have him run out the right. door with it. So you're, that's you're right. as surprised as I am to hear that oh, Steve oh, was absolutely. willing to be so open with you. Yeah. And, and, you know, I can, I can still remember, this was, you know, Petty was doing the 10-5 stuff with Lynch, but he would off, 
also at this point he was doing the pro mod stuff, NHRA pro mod with R2B2 and everything. Right. So I, I remember I, 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 uh, I got to, um, a point where he called me and he's like, Hey man, I don't know that I can make yellow bullet. I want you to tune the Corvette. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? Like you're really calling me asking me this, you know what I mean? So it was just like unbelievable. You know what I mean? Like there's the, and it's, it's crazy because like so many relationships and, and learn so much from this guy. It's just, it, it is. And, and all the guys at ProLine, you know what I mean? They took me under their wing and, and like you brought up, it's like that at the time they had never done that. They had never had somebody else there. Now, shortly after I started doing this, Brandon came on board. And now Brandon, obviously, he's been there just about as long as, as me. I think we were like two months within each other of like kind of gumming on board um, for everything. And so, you know, Brandon and I have worked from from the bottom up and, and doing all this stuff. And, you know, we always talk about the, you know, the learning curves and doing, you know, getting all the stuff from Petty and, and just it's, it's, it's crazy. Like I tell friends about this and it's just so insane how it all worked out. I never would have thought years ago sitting in that little chassis shop that I had that that this is where I would end up. I have to be honest with you. Like it's, it's still every day. I I can't believe it. And that, and you know, it goes back to people are like, man, you're constantly on the road, but like I've wanted this so bad that I just, to me, yes, you got to hustle, right? You can't, you can't get to these points and have the success without hustling. You know what I mean? You can't, I don't know how you, I don't know any other way to do it. Just hard work. Right. I don't think there is another way. I wish there was. I mean, and there are times like I have, you know, (laughs) I have those conversations like with myself where it's like, okay, come on, Wes, work smarter, not harder. You know what I mean? But it's that's easier said than done, especially in a sport like this. How much do you think it has helped you? Because I've seen this in other. I mean, we had Todd Tuttero on to start the show. He's a guy that I point that I point to as somebody who's kind of done it all. And I think that that wealth of experience with a multitude of different combinations. I mean, and where I'm headed with this is. What Jamie Miller is seeing fairly frequently right now is prep one weekend, soup, you know, well, let's let's back this up and be more even more honest. We're seeing modest prep one weekend. <laughs> We're seeing super prep one weekend. We're seeing no prep one weekend. We're seeing big tires and bars one weekend. We're seeing no tires, no bars and radials one weekend. Do you think that seeing all that that cornucopia of different shit is that? does that contribute to the success? Like, can you apply one thing to the other and learn? Yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. Because you know, here's the deal. It's like every time you go out to uh, any race, if you're not learning from a car that you've worked on and applying it to something else, you're missing because there's so many, and it's look, it's not major things, but you, you may, I might be out with a radio car and we try some different timing controls or things like that. And then I'm like, Hey, well, why don't we try this? Like in the pro mod, when we go out with it. Right. And like Manny stuff, Manny's co- all these different combinations. Right. So we learn from each one. Like when we started running the pro 275 car going really fast on that tire, it was like, man, we're not even close to what this X car is capable of. Like we're not even close to it yet because this thing will take so much power. You know what I mean? It's like, we leave with as much power that that car makes. Right. So like we, we need to try other things, you know, so it's all, all little things like that, you know, and, 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 and chassis wise and, and, and trying different setups. That's so look, I've said this before. I, I'm, I approach things a little bit different. There's only so much you can do with a laptop. Right. So for me, if I'm struggling with a car, instead of just like, let's say slowing it down or trying to manipulate it with, with, with power management, let's try doing stuff with the car. 
Let's work on the race car and see if we can make it better. Let's see if we can make it take this power because then that's how it's going to go faster. Right. And so that's where I don't necessarily just say, all right, I got the laptop. I can do this. I could slow this down a little bit. Let's try to make it take it. And I'll, I will try all sorts of different stuff. I mean, I'll get under there and swing four links every, every round if I have to, if I think it's helping us. Right. Man, that is music to my ears because I think that that was like, if I had to nitpick, pro mod racing the last few years maybe even the last decade it did seem like that became more and more of a lost art like we don't see guys moving weight around we don't see i mean i know pro mod racers i'm not trying to like name names that you may as well weld the four link bracket weld that shit solid you know <laughs> right. what i mean because we ain't yeah. changing it like no. jerry told us this is how to have it or whomever rick told us this is how to have it and we ain't ever changing it um right. and it's interesting to hear that because considering the season you had in real quick uh Congratulations, man. I mean, who? I what an incredible it. thing, man. You're a world champion pro. I mean, it goes without everybody can say whatever the hell they want. Right. And I get car count was down this year, but the cars that were there are the yeah. baddest cars on the right. planet. And right. to have them there and for you to be the last man standing alongside your driver, Chris Thorne. That is the final frontier in, in door slammer drag racing, man. So congratulations. But I, I I appreciate it. Seriously, man. Do do you think that that's the difference maker, though? You know, like your willingness to swing a four link or change shock settings. I do. You know, I do. And and like you were saying about weight, man, I've had so many people like this is going back in the radio stuff. Like I move weight a lot, like, and I make massive weight changes. And people are like, they'll come up, what do you think that's going to do? I'm like, man, that's this is how we refine these cars. You have to. And like, having the recipe, I call this the recipe, like in all my notes, I know exactly where the weights have to be, everything like that stuff is key to making these cars consistent. You know, if you're not willing to get and make, I I mean, I probably make strut changes every single time we go down a racetrack, I'll move weight. You know, it's not in the pro mod. It's a little, uh, the chain, the, the amount of weight that you move is a smaller change compared to like the radial stuff, but I still make it right. And wheelie bars and tire pressure and i'm talking stuff that's not the norm right i try i go way out of the extremes and like let's see what if this gives us anything and i've and i've found gains by doing that you know one of the things that i've blown away with rick and ricky jones uh from court i've watched them like i like to see them they'll move weight like higher up in the car yes to create you know you know move the weight up like hey let's get some leverage up here let's get the weight up higher and that is something that you know most people like it either goes on the front or it goes on the, you know what I mean? And it's just, you, you gotta, there's a lot of different ways to skin there that is. cat, you know? And it's cool to hear that because I do think with all the up arrow manipulation and all the things people think it's all power management, but I really do see that that's the difference between going and winning a championship and being really in contention to win every single race this season, right? Yeah. And, and someone who's yeah. not. And, and I believe that's the consistency, right? You'll get with, with just like you said, the up arrow manipulation, you'll see, you'll see the cars make good runs, but they don't do it consistently. I pride myself on trying to make very good fast runs and do it over and over again, because the other side of that is it makes your competitors make bad decisions racing against you because they feel like they have to throw something at it and just hope. And look, every once in a while, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, we've all done that deal, but I think when you're that consistent, it just makes you make mistakes when you're racing. I know I have, there's cars that I go like, you know, you got to have your stuff together when you're going to race Ricky. If you're going to go up against Jose, you better have your shit together. You know what I mean? Cause if yeah. not, you're going to be on the losing end of that. You know what I mean? And, and like you said, yeah. Okay. Lower car count, but the people that are there, the Jose, the Ricky, 
the Mike Janice, you know, uh, Stevie, like all these guys, they're no joke. I mean, you, you better have, you, you better be on your game. And that's, that's what I'm really proud about. And like, it, it's still I, I, to even say that I did some of this stuff with these guys. It's just, it's insane. It really is. I, I can't tell you how proud I am of what we did. And, and also, man, to be able to do it with my kid is something that, you know, it's just unbelievable. Like that's my first championship. That's his first championship. Our, you know, together we won NHRA races together. I've never won an NHRA race until this year. So like to be able to do that and experience that with him, I can't even, I can't, I, imagine, I, I, no, I can't even express it. Like, it's just, it, it's a dream come true. Honestly, it is, man. You know what I mean? And it's like, uh, I said this to Chris Thorne. I'm like, this is so cool. I said, we come out the first race. There was no qualifying. I'm sure you remember this. Yeah. <laughs> we were we were 14th in points. We had to race Mike Janice first round. I, I'm like, we're 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 dead in the water here. We haven't even we haven't even gone down an NHRA track <laughs> in trim. Okay, and this yeah. is who we have to race. We win that race, and I'm just like, I can't even believe this. So like, what th- this is what I've tried to explain to like my buddies and stuff. Like, we went out for the first race. We won the last race, and in the middle of that, we won a championship, and it's so unbelievable, right? It is just unbelievable. It really is, man. I mean, and to watch – so let's touch on a couple things. Like, what can you say about Chris as a driver? Like, he's not necessarily, oh. like, this big, boisterous personality. Um, he, he's not uh, – you know, he's not into that. You know what I mean? He wants to drive a race car and he wants to go win, but he has delivered in spades for you. I mean, how yes. much does that, I mean, does that, I mean, I'm sure it gives you even more confidence oh, when you go up there. Absolutely. You know, and you'll talk to him and he'll beat himself up about having these couple of red lights, but I'm going to tell you something. That's because the dude is just out there trying to kill it every time. There's no, I wasn't trying. Oh, it's just qualifying. You know what I mean? He goes up there and just like the job we're trying to do, he does his job every time. And I've seen the car do some weird stuff. We had some parachute issues at one point, and he just handles the car. I mean, look, we we wouldn't be talking about this championship if it wasn't for his driving. So the whole team, right, all of us together, we just gelled. Like, you know, Chris and I was able to do a couple of races this year with Craig Pettis, who was amazing, like amazing. Nothing ever broke on the car. Nothing fell off the car, right? That's half of the, that's three quarters of the battle in this racing industry, right? Is just keeping things going. And, and, and so like, yeah, Chris, Chris did a phenomenal job. And I, I, I hate when he's like disappointed with what, you know, he, he said it in every interview. Oh, I didn't do a great job. You know, he did a phenomenal job driving because look at the round wins he got us where, you know what? I, I didn't have the setup in it, but he made up for it. Right. And, and that goes hand in hand. And I mean, the guy just, he does, he's, he's a natural talent. He gets in the car, he comes back. He'll tell me everything that goes on in that car. He'll tell me what he feels. Did it quiver? I mean, the first thing I ask him when he, when he gets out of the car, if I don't see it, was it smooth? Did it shake a little bit? He's like, ah, it might've, it might've had a little bit. And sure enough, I'll go look at the data and I didn't see it. I may not even see it really in the video, but he felt it. You know what I mean? So wow. uh, that, that feedback is key to be able to do a good job on my end as well. Do you what do you make of the the parody issues? I mean, this has obviously been the story of NHRA Pro Mod the last two seasons, but it did seem here in 2022 like it's kind of stabilized to some extent. I mean, I know there's obviously a big controversy around the nitrous combination, and I'm going to ask you about yeah. that in a second. But I am curious. Like we saw the screw blowers right there alongside the Pro Charger, 252 miles an hour, fairly regular. You know, Stevie's got these booming trap speeds. Stevie Jackson, of course, in the Bahrain 1 Camaro. I mean, what, what's your take on it at this moment? Do you feel like we're close? Um, do you see the, 
Chris Thorne and company yourself, I mean, is the pro charger combination still something that you guys are going to pursue? Cause it, it, you know, the, the scuttlebutt is that everybody's switching to a screw blower, you know, I'm definitely you, not. I, I okay. don't, I definitely am not, you know, um, I think right now the rules are very close. I would like to see another team come out with nitrous. I really would. I would like to see somebody with a, you know, um, with the drive. And, and when I say this, it's out of, I, I don't want to take anything away from what Ricky does. He's the best out there, but I also think that he's got, he, you know, he's got Chad working for him and it's just a two man crew. And like, if you had more resources and maybe manpower, would you run it a little bit harder? Right. You know what I mean? Cause we tear our stuff up. We do, you know, I, I mean, we work hard and if it, if we're going to make a run and we're going to try some stuff and it hurts the motor, so be it. We got the people in place and the parts that, we're going to do what we have to do to get ready. You know what I mean? And, and I think that, you know, maybe, maybe there, maybe there would be some other stuff. I just don't, that's the only one. I feel like the rules kind of shift back and forth that wait on at times with the, with nitrous, then it comes back off, you know, but I think the way they've got the screw blower right now, um, the roots, um, because obviously Janice and, and uh, you know, Castellano and Manzo Tunin have shown they can run, They, 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 they can run. Right. Um, so I do believe it's very close right now. I do, you know, um, you had an experience early. Was that this year or last year that you, you, I can't remember who it was, but you dabbled for a one weekend, went and helped a nitrous guy. Um, so I have a pro nitrous car that I mess with. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Mike Nauman is his name. Um, yeah, it's, it was built. It was built uh, a few years back. It's 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 a little bit overweight, so it's hard to really judge on that what it what it could do, right? Because I'm I'm at a disadvantage with weight. It's something that he's talked about doing, trying to update the car a little bit and get some weight out of it and do some things that but, would help. But you're you know, but you're one of these guys that that believe that that combination is not over. Could run? No, it's not. Yeah. it is not. Okay. It is definitely not. And, you know, when you look at some of the data and like videos of where those cars pull and, and things like that, when you have really good side view video, it shows that that combination is very fast, right? It, it is fast and it's very capable of winning. There's no question about it. So I hope I look, I hope Ricky comes back. You know what I mean? You know, he's retired every year, I think. Right. <laughs> no, yes. it always comes back. I hope to see him back. And, but I would really like to see, like, I wish that, at Barker and that whole team. And I just wish some other guys, like I would love to see Billy Stockland behind a nitrous car running NHRA. That's what I mean. Somebody like that. Right. Cause I think that there's some different approaches there that we've all seen Billy done a really good job with Stevie and those guys, like that whole group of guys, you know, they've been very, very successful with the nitrous combination and it just to see it in somebody else's hands is all I'm saying. You know, yeah, I mean, I and you think cool. about what they did in radial racing, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Billy, Billy, Billy Stockland and Kyle Hutel. I mean, I oh. remember when they burst on the scene and everybody was ready to give the stuff to the twin turbo deal and it was over. And here they come and they win lights oh, out and, they, and they're yes, running at the exactly. front. And then the same thing happened with Marcus Burt and Stevie and, and, yep. and Phil Schuler and Billy Stockland where they come out and set the world, I mean, set the world on fire. So it does feel like there's opportunity there. All right, switching gears and kind of last thing before we let you go. And thank you for pulling over on the side of the road, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, I appreciate it. But what prep versus no prep, you know, our, our next guest, uh, Jay Bodie Jr., uh, a star on the no prep King scene. Yeah. I'm just curious, what has your impression been uh, by the no prep King world there? It feels like there's this us versus them thing that exists, which I kind of hate, to be honest. I don't know yeah, that I it's necessary. Like that. I yeah, get it. I, I understand how it happens. But 
hey man, we're all trying to go drag racing. We're all racing heads right. up. We're all we're all doing our thing, getting in where we fit in. What what right. has been your you know kind of take on that scene, the level of competition, the cars? I mean, do you like it? Is it a unique challenge? What's your thought? I I actually love it. I really do. I I enjoy going there. I, there's some great people. I mean bringing up Bodie. I mean, those guys have really stepped up their program the last few times out. We've had to race them and they've, they're, they've definitely are getting much, much faster. I, look, I wish there wasn't this, this, you know, uh, conflict between them and us, like you're saying about big tire guys. And, and I wish they would allow some, some teams to come over there. Look, I, I know one of the approaches with Manny was, it's like, we don't want to just be able to race them, but give us an opportunity to, whether we have to go to so many races, create a structure that we can come over because there's a lot of guys that want to come over there and it really has nothing to do with a TV show or anything like that. They just want the, 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 um, how hard it is to make a car go fast over there, the challenge of it. Right. There's a lot of people that are looking forward to trying that out myself included. Right. I've had the opportunity to work with Ryan. I'm working with Scott Taylor. Now I've worked with various guys over there. Uh, Callie Mills. I mean, it's a lot of fun to race over there. I think they do a fantastic job of putting a, a show on for the people. And look, that, that shows by all the people in the stands, right? The people that are walking around, the people that want to meet people, um, you know, all the fans and everything. It, it's just, it, it, they do a great job. I just wish we could get um, it all to work together. So I think it could be even bigger. And, and I mean that just by showing different levels of competition, right? I, 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 Ryan Petty, those guys are on their game, Kai Kelly, but it's like maybe some new faces need to come in. And like, I know Jim Howe's been running really strong lately. Um, and I love seeing that. I love seeing new people come to it and give them them opportunities. You know, I'm hoping that Scott's car, we just got the pro line engine in it. I'm hoping we get to, to, you know, showcase a little bit better and have some more consistency in his. I'm, I'm definitely working on that, but yeah, I, I know for, for Manny, I was really hoping to be able to go over there. I mean, it was one of our things talking about for next year is if we had the opportunity to go over there and race, you know, I don't mind racing the futures. I, I like, I like the fact that they have a class to start with, but I feel like if you go and, you know, almost like a, a grade points deal, like if you win so many races, at least get an opportunity for a race your way in or something like that, because that would get more people interested in it. You know, and I, I think I, I don't see how that could be bad for anybody. Right. If more people want to come to it, it would almost seem like uh, I wonder if there's an opportunity. And this is something that uh, I think if Bodie's in the green room, let's let's bring little Bodie on right now. Let's see if Jay Bodie Jr. is in the house. Is Jay? What's Yo, up, brother? Gosh, what's up? What's up? What's up? What's up, what's up? What, do you think that there's room in the no prep Kings world for maybe because it feels like that in I don't know, but this is what it feels like on the outside looking in that mm -hmm. the no prep Kings community is a little resistant to anybody they identify as someone who's like a clout chaser, I think is what you would call it on the Internet. You know what I mean? And like if we were talking in the comments section exclusively, we'd call it clout chasing, you know, right, and I right, think right. that there's like some resistance where they're going, hey, we've been here. We've been we've we did this when it wasn't fashionable. Right. We were here when the crowds maybe weren't there, you know, and who are all these people that want to come be a part of this now that it's successful. Right. And I totally understand that yeah. perspective, but at the same time to Jamie's point, do you think there's room for like, maybe it's not every weekend, but maybe there's two or three events that are like, come one, come all or something. Yeah. 
Do you think definitely, something like that would work, Jay? Definitely, definitely. I see like Manny and them, uh, a lot of people go come to these races consistently and bust their ass, and they deserve that chance to get in. So definitely, I, I definitely think um, it should be room for new people. I, I want to see new faces. I was getting tired of Ryan Martin <laughs> waiting for the longest. That's why I'm like, man, let, let me go up in there and shake this game up a little bit. Now yeah. it needs shook up, don't I mean? Because I think Jamie's right. I think we'd see Manny over there. I mean, you Jay, you know uh, Marty Robertson really well. Like yeah, I think definitely. that I think that gentleman needs an opportunity. You know what I mean? I yeah, think he deserves to to get to to race as part of the big show. And it's right. yeah. I'm hopefully that time comes. But I also appreciate the value of what Street Outlaws No Prep Kings has done masterfully is they've oh, created yeah. a super exclusive club that everybody wants to be a part of. And I think the more people they tell no, the more people want in. You know what I mean? And it's I'm not saying it's strategic, but I wouldn't blame them if it was, you know? Right. Yeah, they're doing a good job with it, too. <laughs> they're doing a good gatekeeping job. So. They are, man. So, hey, J- uh, Jamie, before we let you go, I want to say congratulations uh, one more time. And I guess this weekend, are you, you're going to help Scott Taylor at, at MPK? Yes. yes. Okay. Scott Taylor and Callie Mills, yes. Okay, fantastic, man. Well, hey, tell them, send them our best. Be safe. Good luck. Congrats on everything. And uh, I look forward to seeing you soon, brother. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. See ya. Jay Bodie, welcome to the show, man. We're uh, we're a, a week late on this bad boy. I was sorry we had to punt last week because we were doing our live remote down here in Texas. But I appreciate you uh, joining us here on the West Buck Show. JT, do you see this hat this guy's wearing? Come on, Niners, baby. Man, I Are do. You mad? So I figure I better okay, change hats. Is that a Chiefs yeah. hat? Yeah, and then. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, uh, man! Yep, we got uh, them next week. Yep, <clears throat> yeah, 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 man. Um, so I think it'll be a good game as well. I thought this game this past weekend with with the Bills that was a like what a fun game to watch. Like I know yeah, it didn't end yeah. the way you wanted it to, T, but right. still, like, you got okay, it, you know, because you because you you know you're you're building to to beat that right. team, or they're building to right. beat this team, and the Bills are all in this year, yeah. and the Chiefs have turned over right. and have a lot of young guys. So mm-hmm. to to be competitive, and you probably should have won that game. Right. You know, that yeah. brings a lot of hope. Both teams have a lot of promise, though. Yeah. Don't you think yeah, yeah. that the, my favorite takeaway to correlate to or to bring to drag racing that I thought was worth mentioning, and that's the reason I brought you on T, is Andy Reid. I'm a big Andy Reid fan. I love the guy, um, mainly for that Waffle House menu. He's always <laughs> waving around. Um, but uh, it's his playbook. But um, that it does look like a Waffle House menu. But it Andy Reid said something in the post-game press conference that I thought every racer that's lost a close one should hear is he goes, you got to love the competition. And I yeah. thought, you know what, man? What a perspective to share with your guys that like, yeah, it sucks we lost. Yeah. But damn, do you want it any other way? Right. right? I mean, right. this what a game. What level what a level of competition. And you want rivalries like that too. Yeah, man. You know, buddy, I'm sure you, you've got a rivalry and right. Just and, going back to Jamie, what he was just saying, yeah. like, I, I've raised Scott, Scott was it two or three times this year, and it's been back and forth. I lost by inches, man. He got me all three times, but it's been I lost by inches. And it's like for me, I'm a new cat in this, and it's showing me that. Okay, I can run with these guys. But you can run with him, you know. Right, and I think right, that's, right. And I think that's part of it. And you know, and and the class of these two teams, you know, when they play each other, the fans, mm-hmm. the fan bases get together and they donate to to a charity of the other yeah. whoever wins, and or mm-hmm. you know, if you're at home, so it's pretty cool. 
but that's a good thing, man. Well, well, Bodie, uh, I'd had to throw a little football in there from, from my boy, but, uh, let's take us through, man. I mean, uh, it's your dad has been a part of the street outlaws movement for a long time. I mean, I remember when it was team California's coming to race the four Oh five, I guess just like as a son looking at his father and we should have called this like the father's day special. Holy shit. (laughs) Every one of these stories has been a father son deal. But like, is it crazy to see how this whole thing has come to be? I mean, your dad's like a a legit celebrity yourself is developing a celebrity fan following. Is that crazy to think that drag racing has provided this opportunity to you? Yep. I remember when it first all started, uh, we went to race the 405 down in LA. That was my first time going out. I had to be like freshman in high school. Not even that I'm 27 now. So that gives you an idea how far back that was. But, um, yeah, it was like only a few guys. It was I remember Murder Nova, Daddy Dave. It had the OG cast, but um, back when Gypsy Mike was racing, I don't know if, yeah, if yeah, anybody yeah. racing uh, remember Gypsy Mike, but it was just small back then, and now it's just on another level. Like the the fans that come out, it's a, it's it's crazy. I mean, do you think that, I mean, is this something that you feel that, I mean, or do you have a desire to like follow in your dad's footsteps? I mean, we're obviously seeing you out here yes. racing the part of the invitational now, but is that the plan to, to make this the career and, and ride right. this bad boy, ride this wave as long as you can? I feel like my, how my grandfather did for my dad in racing. I feel like my job in this and my passion for this is to take the team Bodie thing to the next level. So definitely, I, I definitely want to do this full time. What do you make of uh, the level of competition that exists in in no MPK right now, Bodie? Like we've got, you know, obviously Ryan Martin has been dominant, but we we also got Kai Kelly. We got a lot of really fast cars that are in Jim Howe. We saw you know sne- uh, get a win here a couple of weeks ago. It seems like the level of competition continues to increase. I'm not convinced. Uh, you know, Ryan Martin ain't going anywhere. I think right. everybody's like, oh, he's had a couple of rough races, yeah. but. I don't think that he's going anywhere anytime soon. But what do you make of the level of competition right now amongst these guys? I'll tell you what, the from one to 32, everybody's close. Everybody can have their day. Anybody can win any given weekend. And uh, I feel like even when it comes to the rules, you heard at the beginning of the season, everybody want to switch the screw bar. I said scratch all that. Anything can win. Pro charger, turbo, small block, anything. So it just can be a weekend. Everybody that close. I agree a hundred percent because it's it, it does seem like in the right hands any one of those combinations right. can be consider you know can absolutely right. run at the front. Do you think your guys is uh, like especially your camp that has operated out there? I mean the my God, I mean I think back to some of some of the most iconic like street racing mm-hmm. stories and street racers came from California, came from the West Coast. Do you think that that street racing edge and that street racing experience? I mean, how much do you think that that plays in? Uh, to your guys' favor uh, in these situations, whether it's the trash talking, the interviews. I mean, all of this is old hat to you guys. Well, for me, I come from uh, seeing my dad grow up with him. We come from a grudge racing background. So we come with all the trash talking, all the smack talk, all the money bets. It's, it, I love it. So it definitely gets into other competitors' head when it comes to racing going down that track. Do you think that uh, – do you prefer – Stevie Jackson said this on this show. It's probably, I mean, it was way long time ago, but he talked about how different it is racing for your money versus racing for money. You may or may not win. Like it's one thing to like lose and not win the final and oh damn it. We didn't get that 40 K. But if you've got to give that man your 40 K, 
that changes things significantly. And hey, being from you the what, racing world, do you agree with that sentiment? You got a different gut feeling pulling into the beams. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, it's definitely gives you a different feeling, make you be on your game that, that much more. So uh, what, what's your plan for the weekend? I mean, or when are you rolling out for uh, to head to, to Alabama? Oh, man, uh, I had an unfortunate weekend oh, no. last weekend. Yeah, I uh, ended up going out second round against yeah. Cody Baker. Um, had a problem with the motor. We hurt the block. I heard uh, the think, engine was hurt. Yeah. Yeah, we think uh, one of the injectors failed and sent a hole through the cylinder wall. So I'll be down this week. Um go out there, support my dad this weekend. He's actually bringing his car back out. Um, and I'm just going to try to thrash and make this last race for Dallas. That's all you can do, right? What talk, talk us to a little bit about your uh, relationship with Marty Robertson. He's the one who gave me your number and was like, "Man, you you got to talk to Jay Bodie. This kid's headed in the right direction, and he's he's got it going on. And it's been cool to get to know you a little bit. Uh, what do you take? Marty lives right down the street here, and a great guy. And it's cool to see him kind of making his presence felt in No Prep Kings. Do you think he's got? I mean, uh, I, I feel like we're going to see him in that Invitational soon. Man, he should. He, him, Mick, uh, Mick Snyder, Mike, they all bust their ass week in and week out. I got a front row seat to that, man. Uh, Marty, he's a, he's a hell of a dude, man. He, uh, well, not only in drag racing, man, he sit me down and give me game about stuff other than drag racing, man. That's just, man, Marty's just a good dude. He really is a good dude, yeah. man. So uh, headed into this weekend, uh, your pops is bringing out his car. Mm -hmm. uh, he's driving, I'm assuming, right? He yeah, won't drive yeah, it. Okay. Yeah, no, no, and then what? how many more races do you all have left? You got it, Steel and then Dallas, Dallas and then – is that it? Is Dallas yeah. the last race of the season? Dallas is the last one. Holy so I got, I, got, I got to get my stuff together uh, for this last race. I'm sitting at 17 in points right now, and my goal um, going into this year was finish at least 15 or better. And um, given that – I I feel like if we would have made more races this year, I'd be been better in points right now. But I missed five races this year, so I mean that's that says a lot for our program. I just, my program is only me um, and my guy Nick. It's only us two, and uh, we got a guy that does work at home for us, um, Ben, and Mike Henry comes out when he can. So I mean, it's a small crew, so we can do the do we do what we got. So. That's all you can do, man. Oh, what do you make do of – when you look at this deal, you talked right when we first uh, brought you on about like that OG 405 crew. <laughs> um, and a lot of those guys we still see in the thick of things, right? Uh, right, right you know, right. Murder Nova's out at every race pretty much. Mm -hmm. Daddy Dave's almost at all of them. Um, typically a contender. Uh, Chuck Sightsinger. I mean, a lot of those guys that were there early on are still there. But we right. do see like a crop of fresh faces. Uh, Justin Swanstrom comes to mind as somebody who's really built a following and, and yeah. is – has dived headfirst into this no prep Kings yep. world. Um, who do you, who are the guys that you think, I mean, I've been told that you're one of the next big stars in this deal. Right. I'm curious when you look around, who else, who do you see as people that you think are becoming stars before our eyes? Uh, Callie Mills, they've been doing really good. I'm very proud of they, uh, their program. She, me and her was in the ratio. We, we said we, the ratio went uh, way in brother and sister at first time. <laughs> And me and her hated that. So now me and her, we don't have to race our way in. So she's been doing a hell of a job. What's the name? Been doing a hell of a job. Um, B Rad. He he's a smart one that's been around for the past few seasons, but he's getting his program turned around. He's been flying. Uh, who else? Who else can I think of right off the top of my head? Uh, hmm. Do you think we'll see Swanstrom stick with that 
the screw blower. I mean, I saw he post the combination for sale on the internet. I don't, I can't Man. imagine him going away from it. Justin Sean's from changing his mind every week, so <laughs> I don't know. And, and they and they can get a car ready in a week after being crashed, so you never know with them. They yeah, that ain't no joke, man. Yeah, you never know with them. What do you make of uh, the TV aspect of all of this? I mean, I think there's a lot of belief that, you know, hey, man, this is scripted or this happens because it suits the storyline. I mean, what, what, what do you make of that or how do you contend with that when you hear it? Uh, I ignore it because I know what it is. I mean, this from – like I said, I've been here day one. I haven't been on the show, but I've been seeing it um, front and center. It's the racing is 100% real. There's, I mean, you have your um, your characters who do a little more for the camera, but um, for for the most part, it's straight up 100% real. Whenever you guys ran in the were heavy in the grudge scene out on the West Coast, was that primarily mm-hmm. track stuff, street stuff? Uh, it was both. We, a little bit. My dad did a lot. Yeah, my dad did a lot of uh, street racing. He since way back, um, he had a, a '70 Chevelle with orange stripe. He was known for, and that—that's what got me hooked. I was a baby, two years two years old, looking at him from the back of my grandfather's car, going down the street. So that's what got me hooked. Um, but yeah, we do we do a lot of street stuff in California and track. There's, most of the track grudging is uh, we go back east for. I was wondering because it seems like that's like more prominent on the East Coast, but yeah. It's that's like the big dividing line, because I'm curious, like your perspective on this separation between the guys that are street and the guys that are not, you know, and it seems like people's willingness to be on that street show, uh, you know, Street Outlaws or America's List or or whatever, Fastest in America, I get mixed up on them. But do you I mean, what do you make between those two types of uh, racing? I mean, you see guys that are willing to do both and you see guys that are you know, thrive in a certain arena. What's your take on it? I mean, do you uh, have this? I mean, would you run one of them cars, a big tire car, one of these fast cars? And would you run it on the street? Yeah, I'm kind of nutty like that, but <laughs> um, <laughs> I just like going fast. But definitely, I do give the street racers a little more, um, I wouldn't say respect, but it, it takes a lot to get those those cars to go down the street and, and fast and be safe about it. I, I know we heard about a, a lot of people having mishaps and um, bad wrecks. So it, once you go out down the street, I mean, it's like there's no coming back from it. I see oh, some there no joke, bad, man. bad stuff on that street. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's be, it's not for the faint of heart, and yeah, that's been yeah. the probably the hardest thing for us. Just being honest here mm-hmm. at Drag Illustrated, it's like we can get super excited about MPK, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, mega races and all these things, but whenever this deal starts getting out on blacktops and in industrial areas. Like we start, yeah. our stomach starts to do flip flops and we, it's hard for us to get excited about it, get behind it, right. behind it because I just know the danger that exists. And we saw it this past weekend. I, I want to give a quick shout out to Robin Roberts, uh, mm-hmm. a guy that I think the world of a West coast guy, a great human being, um, yeah. a, <clears throat> a good dude who had a really scary incident. Were you, you were there for that. I saw your dad in the background on um, one of the photos. I mean, were you up there when that happened? I was actually sitting in my car. I was actually okay. running two pairs behind them. And uh, my dad, he said he didn't want to tell me, like, really what was going on because I was in the car the whole time before I went down the track. So he told me after. And uh, I'm just glad Robin's all right, man. It's, me too. Uh, I hate seeing one of our fellow racers just uh, total their car and just go out like that. 
it was a rough, rough deal, and I was glad. I actually got a text from uh, Robin on Sunday morning. Uh, I'd send him, and I was in those moments. You feel like help. Like, what do you do? Right. Like, you just don't want anything right. to be. You want him to be okay. Yeah. And you think about the you know wife and kids and all the people connected to this stuff, and yeah. that's something that is lost on people at times. Yeah. I. You know, I think about all the wives and all the sons and daughters that right. high five and hug their their husband or wife before they strap into one mm-hmm. of those things. And I mean, let's be honest, man, this is a this is a dangerous deal. That could be the last time, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and in those moments, it is just gut wrenching. And whenever I got a, a text from from Robin Sunday morning, he goes, I'm pretty beat up, but I'll be OK. And I thought, yeah, yeah. thank you, God, because that was a scary one, man. I was yeah. there, but it looked like a, it, it was bad. And then when I started to see pictures of the car, yeah. um, you know, of course, you know how it is in drag racing. Everybody's talking to everybody and I'm getting all these right. texts and whatnot. I'm going, yeah. oh, shit, this is not good, man. But yeah, that yeah. was a sketchy one. When you see a, a helicopter taking off from the track, you know, it's you know, it's not good. So, you know, it's yeah, like not I said, good, I'm glad you're all right, man. Well, dude, I genuinely appreciate you taking some time for us today. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you more. I have a funny feeling we're going to be doing a lot of this. Um, I'll see you in a couple of weeks when you guys roll down here. Uh, Mike and I will be at uh, the the World Finals, uh, the MPK final race of the season in Dallas. We can't wait to see you. Maybe we can spend a little bit more time together out in our oh, stomping yeah. grounds, man. Definitely, we'll have definitely. some fun. Thank you for having right. me, man. No problem, buddy. We'll talk to you soon, all right? Be safe this weekend. Tell your dad hello and uh, take care of Marty and the gang for us, all right? Got you. Thank you. (laughs) All right, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Mike, JT, man, what what a show, dude. We talked. I didn't think that this would be, you know, I I didn't know how we should have thought about that father-son dynamic because we we start the show. uh, I mean, you and I race with our dads forever. um, Shout out to my dad. It's his birthday today. It is his birthday. Happy birthday, birthday, Charles. You want to sing or no? Uh, I'll let JT. No, okay. Yeah, we'll let JT, JT, like shut, Elvis yeah. or JT shuts down the singing absolutely immediately. Um, but it's crazy, right? I mean, we got Todd Tuttero talking about racing with his with his son Ty. Ty's going to drive a little bit next year, it sounds like, and he's done some driving in the past. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, of course, Johnny Platino and his dad John. You know, both of them championship drivers. That's kind of crazy to think about. Two. He's not, you know, Johnny's not very old. You know, he's a pretty young guy and he's already got two pro stock world championships to his credit, falling in his father's footsteps. Uh, and then Jamie Miller talking about working with his son. And we round out the show with uh, Jay Bodie Jr. talking about racing with yeah, his dad. I, I think a, that was, uh, you know, we, we like to present maybe the first opportunity for people to hear from these up and comers like Jay Bodie Jr. And I think you're going to hear a lot more from him. We got a ton of nominations for him for the 30 under 30. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, definitely a guy on the on the rise right now. It's that's the coolest thing about drag racing, probably. You know, we we've talked about this in weeks past that we have largely kind of treated the fact that you can do this well into your you know your older years as a bad thing at times but it it can also be a really good thing right i mean because you know you get to go race with your dad and and be a part of that for years and years and years and then you get to a point like todd tuttero was talking about where hey you know i'm not quite as consistent as i used to be and things bother me a little bit more than they used to or i have a hard time keeping all these things going juggling all these different balls so now i'm going to put my kid in the car it's a really really incredible thing and it just i don't know i think it's one of the coolest things about the sport of drag racing here todd hearing todd talk about how well his children have turned out um and attributing that to growing up at the racetrack i just think it's a it, it's a success story for our sport that we don't talk about enough 
That's why yeah. we do the 30 under 30. And maybe you can incorporate that in your, in your speech this year. I think I will, you know, I'll recount this day, October 19th, 2020. I think, I think he said that he, what he's 27 now. Is that, is that yeah. what he said? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, he'd been around it since he was a freshman. So, I mean, you know, like the show. So it, yeah. it, you, you don't think, you don't think it's been around that long, but when he says something like that, you go, wow. You know, that's, that's been a while. It's kind of crazy. Yep. It's kind of crazy, man. All right, guys, closing notes. Is there anything that we've left out? I mean, I think about we got a bunch of stuff going on. Speaking of father-son racing endeavors, we got Tommy Cunningham rolling down to Extreme Raceway Park for the Midwest Drag Racing Series finals uh, that are taking place this very weekend. You, uh, that's I'm going to go. Tommy races. Yeah, uh, this go. is my backyard, man. Tommy's going to – Tommy, uh, he sent me a text this morning. I said, Tommy's what time you get to town? I know. I got to get it. I'm literally back. bringing it. I'm bringing it yeah. back to him. Um, he goes uh, – uh, going down, I said, what time are you getting to town? And Tommy texts me back. He goes, well, test Friday morning and blow the scoreboards down that evening. And I thought, awesome. exactly. You know, Tommy races with his dad, Larry, and his yeah, mom, Sue, yeah. you know, every weekend. And it's it's a pretty amazing thing. I think the Midwest, I the Midwest Drag Racing Series in, in sanctions and series like that look great at these honky-tonk drag strips. And Extreme Raceway Park's one of the nicest racetracks in the country. I mean, there's you're going to, you're hard-pressed to find that much concrete anywhere that's not an airport i mean it's impressive how nice the facility is but it is a quaint small joint with like a small tower and relatively small grandstands and when you roll in a bunch of top alcohol funny cars and a bunch of 360 370 door cars into that place it's a it's a hell of a show man so i'm going to go out there uh this weekend my son max has a band competition on saturday morning so i'm going to probably do friday at the track and and see how saturday goes but i'm excited about that man uh i guess then we got no prep kings back down mike you're coming right back down yep right at least There's for a really couple of days after that though i mean we're pdra's wrapped up their season uh we got vegas and pomona uh, vegas is next weekend while the nbk deal is happening so um yeah, I mean, if we're getting down to the nitty gritty. Have you ever been more excited for NHRA drag racing? I haven't. I just, I don't think they're getting the credit they deserve right now. You know what I mean? Like, I've never heard JT talking about dra- NHRA drag yeah. racing. I've <laughs> never had other people at, you know, it's, there's a buzz in the air around this. And it's, and you can tell that by the crowd. So good. The yeah, crowds, man. like the crowd at, uh, at the Motorplex this weekend was off the charts and it's even with the rain full, full for even out. with rain on sunday How, even there's with like rain nine on sellouts it was, this year right yeah is that I think number? nine sellouts and 22 races mm-hmm. which i'm assuming is some sort of record we need to text kepner and find out but i've never heard uh the word sellout thrown around so much uh in relation to the nhra so you know got to give kudos to those guys they're clearly doing uh several things right i think it's that level of competition like what we lack in volume we more than make up for in 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 quality like the the level of racing the amount of races that were like side by side identical it or ets this weekend multiple runs where the cars both matched each other and it was decided on the starting line and that's in every category i mean top fuel funny car pro stock pro mod pro stock motorcycle you couldn't really ask for better competition than we saw this past weekend and thinking that we've got a couple races left to kind of see who's who. Um, I don't know, dude, it's, it's bad. The crowds trying to get better. into Texas Saturday morning was nuts. That wasn't was impressive. Like, I mean, like we came around the corner. We're like, Holy shit. I mean, I mean, the people were lined up just trying to get through the gates and then the traffic was backed up several miles. 
it is pretty cool. Uh, How about our, did you see my post I put on Facebook about uh, our deal with uh, Don Schumacher hospitality? That was pretty cool, right? That was was fun. Yeah. I think that that's going to be, you know, reminder to everybody out there that, that runs a race team, that one of the best things that you can do is bring people out to the races. It's selfish to say that because we all want everybody to bring people out to the races, but if you want people to understand what you do, or if you want people to take a, a liking or take an interest to what it is that you do, bring them to the racetrack and show them a good time. I'm reminded of, I don't know the gentleman's name, but it was like the CEO of Phillips Connect that we heard speak in Indy whenever they were announcing their extension with Justin Ashley. Do you guys remember yep. that? Yep. And he talked about how he had shot down the, the top fuel sponsorship three or four times, said, no, we don't need a top fuel car. We don't need to sponsor a race team. Then he went to the races and immediately said, I get it. And I, I tell you that that is an experience that you can have. You know what I mean? Like that is an experience I think that from, I think anybody I think with a race team can Skag have. Had, had a similar story as well. Yeah. Skag, you're talking yeah. about Tony Schumacher's yeah. sponsor who, yep. you know, ex- signed an extension as well for the full poll in 2023. It's an amazingly powerful experience. If you can get someone out to the racetrack and show them a good time, maybe give them a little bit of a peek behind the curtain, some VIP access or some, torp- some sort of VIP experience, you can get someone hook, line, and sinker in a hurry. So that was kind of obviously our goal for our relationship with Don Schumacher and Don Schumacher hospitality. It was pretty cool. I got to be honest, like to walk in that particular tent and see Tony Schumacher's top fuel car to my left and Ron Cap's funny car to my right and see a, a couple of tables with our logos on them and go right. Hey, what, up front what a, right. Up front. That's, yeah. I told them that they could put them in the far back corner and I wouldn't be offended, but there they were right up front. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. Pretty cool, right? Pretty cool. They'll well, guys, eventually, uh, I bet yeah, they won't stay up front for long. I can't imagine. I'd be like, move those drag illustrations back was a, to the back a corner. Debut moment only. Yeah, that's <laughs> hey, man. I'll take it. I'll take it. You know. So, uh, closing notes here. I want to wish uh, you know congratulations to all the champions that were crowned this past weekend at uh, Virginia Motorsports Park during the PDRA World Finals. Incredible uh, weekend. Incredible season. No doubt about it. Highly competitive and and seriously a huge round of applause to each and every one of you and we look forward to celebrating your championships uh, alongside all of you at the pdra awards banquet friday night at the 2022 performance racing industry trade show uh good luck to all the competitors this coming weekend at the midwest drag racing series season finale as well as everybody that's headed to steel alabama for the no prep king second to last race of the season um and and thanks for joining us i think the last thing that i just want us all to kind of acknowledge is the hospitality that was shown to, to my team at Drag Illustrated and our family by uh, the Meyer family, Barry uh, Johnson, Christy Meyer Johnson, uh, Billy Meyer, Elon Warner, Cheeseburger, Eric McClelland, uh, I like to call him Cheeseburger, the whole gang out at the Texas Motorplex. Uh, DeMarcus, I can't say enough about it. They, they put us in a suite all weekend. They hosted us for uh, the podcast on Wednesday afternoon, had us out Wednesday. Night. I mean, we had a fantastic time, and I've, I've waited my whole life, guys to have an, an event like that and a facility like that in my backyard and to be able to roll into that place and pull into a parking spot that's got drag illustrated hanging on the fence is a real, we've been talking about surreal moments all day today. I don't know about you two, but that was pretty surreal. And uh, thank you to everybody at the motorplex for, yeah, for welcoming us in. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was a great time guys. So, Hey, um, 
Let's get the shoots out on this bad boy. Everybody enjoy uh, your the rest of your afternoon, what's left of it. Thank you for joining us, as always, right here on the Drag Illustrated Facebook page and YouTube channel. Shout out to everybody that joins this conversation each and every Wednesday, and we will see you next Wednesday. I don't know what day that will be, but it'll be the same bat time and the same bat channel. Thanks, guys. Talk soon. Later, y'all. Hey, guys. I don't have my music queued up. <laughs> 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 <laughs>